Good evening and welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 213th take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. I'm so honored to spend Father's Day with these gentlemen today. It's going to, it has become a tradition for one of these men. And uh, this was second time's a charm uh, to get this other gentleman on. I'm so excited to have them both. I uh, love these guys and I love sharing a lot of their stories. We're going to be talking a lot about, of course, the day of honor, and we're going to be talking a lot about their individual brands as well. So stay tuned, strap yourselves in. This is going to be a fantastic show. But before we get to introductions, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Drew Estate has announced it just a couple days ago. The Flying Pigs are cleared for takeoff. Yes, the annual spring release of Drew Estate's most popular Vitola, the Flying Pig, is now available. Based on a photograph in an 1895 cigar salesman size selection catalog, the Flying Pig Vitola's unique size and signature pigtail cap requires specialized training from bucheros and roleros at the Drew Estate factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. Only a few of the employees are certified to make these cigars, limiting flying pigs to two annual seasonal releases in the spring and in the fall. Kentucky Fire Cured, Undercrown Maduro, Undercrown Shade, Undercrown Sungrown Flying Pigs will be available to all premium retailers. Liga Pravada Number no. 9 and Liga Pravada T52 will only be available at participating Drew Diplomat retailers. So check out your favorite brick and mortar today to get your dose of the spring release of the flying pigs so without further ado welcome to our 213th take everyone it is my pleasure my privilege my honor to welcome these two gentlemen in for a special father's day edition of los fumar takes sponsored by united cigars tonight's guests are tom lazuka and oliver nouveau of asylum and united cigars how oh, gentlemen how are we doing tonight hey Hi. hey hey yeah how you doing bear <laughs> doing fantastic happy happy father's day to all the dads out there Happy Father's Day, indeed. Happy Absolutely. Father's Day, happy, indeed. Fa happy Father's Day. And let's give a, I mean, Barry, you're doing, you did a phenomenal, always, always a phenomenal intro, but you got double pneumonia. Tom, you're working on, what, three hours of sleep and tons of travel. <laughs> you guys sound, you guys sound phenomenal. Happy Father's Day to everybody. It's, it is the, the miracle of coffee never ceases to amaze me. It really is. It, it really <laughs> is. It's, it, it does the trick every single time. And it's so it's gentlemen, it's so great to have you, Oliver. I know we tried to uh, we tried to make this happen last year. You were on a plane um, and uh, and weren't going to be able to make this uh, the, the Father's Day show last year. So I'm so glad that you were able to find a few minutes and actually have uh, have time to join with us this week. You, you've been really busy, too. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's yeah. been a nationwide tour. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've been I've been lucky. Uh... Lucky enough to have Nelson Alfonso select the tobacco back in the U.S. after uh, after about three years. So um, he's he's back in. So we've been doing uh, a little tour, you know, three, four days. And uh, we were in Texas at the beginning of the month. We were in Arizona. Uh, we just did New Hampshire. And on Wednesday, we'll be in Orlando, Florida. Awesome. So, awesome. And then capping and actually capping it off at the Byron Cigar Lounge in Schaumburg, Illinois, with the guys at the uh, Casa de Monte Cristo Lounge. And uh, that's that's a black tie event uh, sold out tickets hundred I think hundred tickets went out dinner dinner event uh, we have the the twenty fifth anniversary humidor that uh, we had done for them so uh, every actually every humidor that was purchased the the buyer would get one ticket to enter them into a raffle to win the 007 Omega watch 
which is an unbelievable watch. Wow. So it's going to be, uh, yeah, quite, quite a month and then quite a night. Black tie indeed. When's the last, what's the last black tie event you went to? Me? Your wedding? Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Tom, when's the, what, Tom, what's the last black tie event you ever went to? Uh, sure, I, I was kidding, to Oliver. I'm sure it's something both for both of cigar related for both of y'all. Yeah, it was something cigar team. <laughs> yeah, I know there was they, another. There was another one in Chicago. They do uh, at the Detroit Athletic Club in downtown Detroit, which is the oldest oldest athletic club in America. They do two cigar dinners a year, and uh, uh, this was maybe this was obviously pre-COVID, so a couple to three years ago, uh, they had Christian and myself there. So it's a black tie dinner you know they have uh, uh probably around 250 people come to the dinner so they're, they're pretty nice dinners they put on there yeah i oh oliver it was uh when you, the lounge dedication at industrial here in texas that's when i, I saw you i you that was it was i don't know if it was quite black tie but you, you were dressed up yeah I was, oh yeah dressed dressed up yeah we've done we've done quite a few i mean the last the last like tuxedo well actually last tuxedo uh event was a gala the the gala dinner for the Habanos festival, but that was 2000. Well, that was 2020. Right. Yeah, 2000, right, right before everything. Yeah. Right before everything ended. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah, when I, yeah, when I say black tie, like, you know, tux. Uh, so I had to get, I had to get a new one uh, for this, this coming event, but yeah, dressed up. Uh, I mean, I guess the last one, yeah, let's dress up with Barton at ambassador cigars. Uh, you can't walk into that place without suit and tie. Nice. <laughs> He won't let you in. Well, gentlemen, I'm so thrilled to have you both here and everything. And and we are celebrating Father's Day together. Um, This uh, this is the third. uh, Tom, this is the third year in a row where you've uh, you've been able to join us on Father's Day. And uh, we're making a little bit of a tradition here. So I'm I'm, I'm so grateful to have you back and everything. Um, And uh, we're going to we're going to have some fun tonight. We're going to talk about some. Some uh, father and son, father and daughter, father and children, our own fathers, uh, and also talk, obviously, some Asylum and United Cigars. So really looking forward to it. So I, I challenge these gentlemen, I, I, you know, with uh, with a little opening, we're going to have a little icebreaker tonight. So uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure they spent a little time on Google, just like I did on trying to bring the best dad joke <laughs> you can muster. So, um, <laughs> Oliver, since this is, this is the first Father's Day show that you've done with us, uh, we'll, 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 we'll give the honors to you. We'll let you open it up. Oh, well, I got uh, – all right, all right. Yeah, here we go. All right. Well, um, yeah, I don't have uh, – I'm wearing a sweatshirt because I, I don't have a dad bod. I'm a, uh, I'm a father figure. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice. Delivery was good, man. I thought I was like thought you were setting something else up, and then you totally just hit us with that. That's awesome. Oh man, good stuff. Uh, it could could be a baseball one. Like who would uh, the Kool Aid uh, the Kool Aid Man? What position would he play? I'll Relief pitcher. Yeah, <laughs> it's all bad. They're yeah, all bad. That's the whole point. Uh, man. It was tough. <laughs> I mean, have you guys heard about the uh, new restaurant on the moon? No, no. you haven't heard about it? No, 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 I haven't heard about it. Great food, no atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that rem- well, I mean, re- new restaurants, that reminds me of, of um, just, you know, throwing parties and everything. So why, why is it so cheap to throw a party at a haunted house? Why? <laughs> <laughs> 
because the ghosts bring all the booze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look, if you're like Tom, if, Tom, if you're going to eat uh, eat at a restaurant in space, and uh, if you want beer, if you want really good booze, and you're up in you're you're up there, and you're an astronaut, uh, you might want to go to the space bar. Stop! <laughs> Stop! Uh, we didn't uh, even plan that. That was all booze related. Yeah, that. Yes, that was great. That was great. So, so well, in the interest of say, you know, saying goodbye to these dad jokes and just since they Save are, uh, there's yeah, I was gonna say they're sites for sore eyes. Uh, did you know that? Did you know that your pupils are the last part uh, to stop working when you die? They no, die late. No. Yeah. <laughs> all right all right perfect 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 that brings us to tonight's major point which is always brought to you by protocol cigars uh tonight's major point is brought to you by people yes cigar people the people who know everything about a lifetime of service protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times well maybe it is but behind the fun is a motivation for service and motivation for giving back from the original protocol blue to the latest release in the lawman series bass reeves protocol has always been about honor passion and yes the people it's what their life's work has been and always will be about power of the p protocol cigars so gentlemen i i i sent a couple of sent a couple couple questions over and no no more dad jokes for everybody um, although I, you know, at some point, you know, one of, one of us is going to break and one of us is just going to insert one just randomly in tonight. It's going to happen. I just, I just had this feeling My money's on Tom, but you know, who knows Oliver might just come out, but, um, you know, it, it reminded me a lot. Um, dad jokes kind of remind me a lot of those little idiosyncrasies, um, that, that my father had, there was like these, you know, like everyone ha- everyone has idiosyncrasies, right? But there's those those things, and it kind of reminds me of those progressive commercial where that guy's like teaching people not to become their parents, and so right. it always reminds yeah. me of <laughs> it's it, they crack me up because those things are exactly stuff that my dad did and uh, my mom for that matter. But my um, my dad always had these like these little things that my my siblings and I used to just make fun of all the time and stuff, and it just um, it always it's always funny. So uh, I wanted to pose the question tonight. Uh, what idiosyncrasy from your dad have you fought your entire life from doing or or you absolutely do it? So and if you've got examples of both, that's fine. But I was just uh, I thought it would, I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about our dad's idiosyncrasies and trying to fight it for our lives, because I'm sure I'm sure uh, there I'm sure there's a few. So, Tom, could you th- did you think of anything? Yeah. You know, um this is about my dad would be pissed if I if he hears this one, but you know, <laughs> but, no, but my dad is, a, is the nicest man, but he's got the worst temper when you play golf, right? And he's f bombing, and you know he hits a bad shot, and he's pissed off, and you know, like for for years, I found myself doing the exact same thing. I had to literally quit playing golf. <laughs> During a golf outing with one of our customers, Ambassador Cigars, about four years ago, I just literally walked off the course. Some lady was walking in. I said, does your husband play golf? She said, yeah. I said, here, handed her my bag and left, <laughs> went to the bar. <laughs> you know, I just, I just, like exactly like my father. I just get pissed off golfing and uh, 
I have since gotten a lot better though. I've realized I'm not a pro golfer, even close. And now I'm, in, I, I, I took about two years off, bought a new set of clubs and bag. And now I'm, uh, I, I still dropped some F bombs out there, but I, I'm more laid back now. <laughs> the better part of that, the better part of that story would have been like, Hey, I, I tracked down the lady. I got my clubs back. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh man. Yeah, I I must uh, I must have been hanging out with your dad as a kid then because uh yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way with yeah. with that. <laughs> Definitely get pissed <laughs> off. I've, I've snapped I've snapped uh, at least two clubs. Oh. They're stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I'd I'd say for, I'd say for me one of the things that drives me crazy because I'm such a like I'm I'm a foodie and I almost feel like I become like a food snob. Uh but I'll eat it like which is strange because as a food, as saying I'm a foodie or a food snob, because you see me eating at, at taco trucks and I'm not afraid to eat at any, like any restaurant, you know, if the door's falling off, I'll, I'll still consider it. And, uh, but Those one of the, the things is, yeah, you're right. So when, uh, you know, I say that I'm a cigar or, uh, uh, you know, a food snob because my dad was in the hotel business and growing up we would go into restaurants and hotels and every corner we'd look and be like you know he's looking around he's like oh yeah you know light bulbs out you know the carpet's here and he's calling people over to you know get something to check so now i walk into a place and that's all i that's all i'm looking at and i'm judging the plate the way it you know the way it looks the way it's presented how the server's serving you and it it sounds awful i'm like i'm like a t-shirt flip-flop you know guy nice and easy but even in those restaurants, I'm like, oh, they could have done that a little bit better. Or they could have done this a little bit better. But, you know, I still tip. I'm like, there's nothing that it takes away. But it's like that little piece, it takes away from my experience. I'm like, of course the light bulb's going to be out because that thing hasn't been changed in probably 50 years. Right? There's like, you know. It's the ambiance, but, uh, yeah. you know. It's right, ambiance. Right, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. He, in fact, he used to, uh, because back then, there was no there was no internet. There was no, you know, taking a picture on your, on your phone in the menu. So there were so many times I would walk out of the restaurant and I'd have a menu stuck in the back of my pants because he wanted to bring it to study the menu more to show it to you know show it to the chef. Um, I, I uh, it would be uh, it would be devastating for you know a teenager to walk out with a menu tucked in his back <laughs> pants so that nobody would see it. That's awesome. Um... So like he had you, he even had you like, I mean, was this something like he taught you or you just observed him doing it all the time? And so you would do I, it. Yeah. A little, a little bit of both. Uh, you know, the, the teaching experiences were more of me, you know, fighting it with wines and um, the way, you know, taste food. And I mean, we tasted everything as, you know, as kids are, uh, you know, yes, my mom, my mom cooked, my dad wasn't much of a cook, but our, you know, a lot of our holidays would sometimes be spent at, at the hotel, you know, as, as snobby as that sounds, but yeah, the, you know, we'd go for, cause he'd have to check it out. He'd either have to work or he'd have to be there. So we'd go for Thanksgiving, Christmas dinners and, you know, things like that. Um, because my, my family's all in France. I got my brothers here in the States, but everyone's overseas. So if we couldn't travel, yeah, we were eating at, uh, at hotels. So he would take those as, as teaching moments to, you know, you know, sample different wines or foods, but, uh, it was also me just observing or, or being thrown into it with a menu down, down my pants. <laughs> um, I kind of imagine that's, uh, I mean, that's a lot like, I mean, I mean, just a lot like uh, just anything with, with dads and stuff or parents for that matter. But like you observe them doing certain things and, and you kind of just pick up on, on it and it, it just becomes like a, a part of what you do. I, I was thinking when you guys were talking about the whole golf thing 
it, it brought back this very, very distinct memory. It had nothing to, it had, it had everything to do with swearing and golf, which was hilarious. But um, I just, my dad, you know, my dad has, you know, sworn all of my life. And that's where, I mean, that's where I picked it up from. And, and, you know, that's why I have colorful language today is because of him. And I'm, he, he hates that. It, it, you know, we had a really, in my early twenties, we had a really long talk about it and he just felt so much shame over it. And I was like, dad, it's, you know, like there's, there's worse things in this world, you know, you're, you know, you were loving and supportive. You were always there. You were at every, every sporting event, every school function, like just cause I have a potty mouth. You didn't, you didn't fail as a father. Like it's really, it's really okay. But I remember it took me back to, I remember like one of the, I guess one of the first times I ever swore in front of him, we were, we were at a driving range and, and I was just so excited. I hit this really great drive and my dad, you know, was like, yeah, good, you know, good shot. And I was like, yeah, I hit the hell out of that. Didn't I? And I was like seven, you know, and he just was like, what was that? And like, and yeah, it was just, it kind of ruined the moment, but it was, I, I, I really remember distinctly and really vividly. It's really kind of crazy, but this one's funny. Like, so one of my, <laughs> my sister, if my sister's watching, she'll think this is hilarious. I know this sounds kind of stupid, but one of my dad's biggest things, whenever he would order takeout from any place and as the. I know you were taking menus, Oliver, but this, this behavior might make, make your dad cringe. Um, my dad would like stock up on like the napkin dispenser. Like he would just grab like <laughs> half the napkin dispenser of wherever we went. Didn't matter if we we're picking up fried chicken or whatever he'd pick up. So like we would for like two weeks after that, for like when we were just making regular dinner, we would have like McDonald's napkins or, or KFC napkins or whatever. It was just, it was just hilarious. But, but I, 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 I fought that for so long. Cause I just, I thought it was absurd. And then, and then I had kids. Yeah. And, and then it never even occurred to me. And then it's so much easier to grab a wad of napkins than to try and take like one or two because like you know you're going to use them because you have kids and like every time i reach into a spencer and i grab a wad of napkins i just think of my dad and i just think of my sister my sister and I'm like how we just used to just make fun of him endlessly about it and i'm like oh my god i'm i'm i've become my father so, it's, turning it's, into my dad. it's really ridiculous <laughs> so well um, bear do you remember uh sal fontana yeah, yeah. Did, did you guys meet Sal? So yeah. I, I never met. I never met him, but I, I yeah, of course. So Sal course. was funny because he would, you know, he, he had. He said he had a license to do whatever he wants, right? Because he was an old man, and he would, but he would go to Starbucks, or we'd go to Starbucks, and or whatever restaurant we were at, and he would take all the sugar, like the sugar packets, <laughs> right? And he'd, and then he'd be just part of my, but he'd be like, ah, fuck them, they got the money. And in his office, he literally had had a drawer, a giant drawer. And if you opened it up, it was just filled with sugar, you know, like thousands and thousands of packets that were never going to be used. But that's how would take all the sugar packets wherever we went. Oh. What was he gonna do with like? I mean, did he like sugar that much, like in his coffee, or he just yeah, yeah. Just... But he would bring them to the office and just throw them in a drawer, and then by the time you know when sale passed, uh, the drawer in his office was literally thousands of packs. Oh my god! And uh, when 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 he had his funeral, we actually 
put some of the packs in in in, in the. Oh, cabinet. I was hoping <laughs> you'd say that. I was hoping <laughs> yeah. you were going to say that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> I, I never would, be without them. When you started telling that story, you're talking about his office and it was full of sugar. It just took me back to Field of Dreams, and it's a more somber part of the story. But like Burt Lancaster's character bought all those hats for his wife that he never got to give her. I just yeah, yeah. All sugar packets <laughs> that he never got to use for his coffee. But yeah, that was, that's my that's my dad too. Like that's crazy. Like he'll just <laughs> he'll just take this like just random wad of stuff, and this is like I mean we had I, I, yeah. I, we had ketchup packets from like all over the place and stuff like that. So he did it with other things too. But it was it was the napkin <laughs> thing that got me. It was just nuts, <laughs> just crazy. And I think that was like a, that was like a seventies eighties thing. So I mean the napkin thing I do now like in my glove compartment. Once you have kids, you have to have napkins in the car so i definitely have you know starbucks dunkin donuts all the napkins in the car but the condiments i remember growing up now that you you know you talk about that i think we always had condiments, especially soy sauce like soy sauce and the and duck sauce in those little packs because we must have eaten a ton of chinese food i remember those in the drawers <laughs> constantly yeah <laughs> yeah now I, I don't keep them anymore but um you know you get them i feel bad throwing them throwing them away well yeah you it's take out. Soy sauce. I never knew what a soy sauce bottle looked like until I was like a teenager. <laughs> right. So, so, I'm like, oh, this. They actually sell this stuff. <laughs> yeah, because none of us made Chinese at home, right? My mom yeah. didn't cook, make Chinese or no. when she cooked. No, you was, know what I mean? Yeah. It was, so it was always night. takeout. Yeah, it was always takeout, or or you went <laughs> to the restaurant. Um, I I think yeah. that. I, I think that the like the idiosyncrasies that we saw like growing up and everything, um, it, it's it's funny like how like how much you try to fight being coming your your parents, and then like when you realize you do, it's like in some cases it's kind of fun, but it's 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 still there. There are certain things that I still like like refuse to do, like like um, and this this one's weird too. Like my dad for as long as I've known him. And they've gotten progressively a little bit shorter. But when I was a kid, he used to wear knee-high socks with his shorts. And even as a kid, I thought that looked ridiculous. And I was just like, I'm never going to do that. I never, I would, I wouldn't wear socks, or I would wear my socks really low, or I, they would buy socks that I didn't like, and I would always push them down. Like as far as long as I can remember, I remember doing that. And like I still, I, the only time I wore knee-high socks was playing baseball. <laughs> But they weren't with shorts though, because right. I had pants on. So, right. um, but yeah, that was like another thing. Like I'm just like I refuse. But now, I, I, you know, he's he's getting good, guys. Like he's gotten down to like mid calf, you know. So he's <laughs> yeah, right, he's, right, before, right below the calf muscle. Yeah, he's slowly <laughs> he's slowly <laughs> catching up with the times. It's the, he's you know, it takes him about three or four decades to start catching up fashion a little bit. So yeah, um, I mean, give him another thirty years, he won't be wearing any socks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but um, it's you know it. I think um, I think it's those it's those little things that always like you know that that kind of make us make us remember our our fathers and everything. Uh, I mean, I mean, you guys can you guys think of anything? I mean, your your kids are obviously a little bit older than mine, and I can't wait to have these conversations with my boys when I'm when they're older. Like, hey, Dad, I remember when you used to do this, but like, are, have they have they got have they caught you or have they talked to you about any of your any of your things? I'm just curious. Yeah, go ahead, Oliver. Go ahead. Tom, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I got uh, so I, I I have two. My son, uh, my son's seventeen, Luke, and uh, my daughter Olivia. She's sixteen. So they're. I don't know if they've really caught. I can't think of anything that they really caught me on, but uh, you know, I'm just very. Uh, you know, they've they've picked up my sarcasm, uh, and and humor um, on a lot of things. So sometimes that you know stuff will come out of their mouth, and I'm like, you gotta be you gotta be kidding me, but then I'm trying, you know, when they were, especially when they were, when they were younger, like, you know, like you, when you're like, Oh, that's a hell of a shot. Um, so they say <laughs> stuff and I'm like, you know, I, I should be mad. But then as a dad, I'm like cracking up inside and, you know, I kind of laugh and they get away with it. But, um, yeah. I can't think of anything that, that they've really called me out on. I'm sure something will pop up for me. But yeah. I'd, I'd say my sarcasm. They definitely lay it on me uh, pretty thick. It's always the, the things with kids when they do stuff you're not supposed to laugh at. You like have to leave the room so you can have, like actually enjoy it. I remember my son, uh, Cameron, my oldest, he'll be 20 in September. And uh, it was probably just when he started talking. And I remember we got him. It was Christmas. And we got him like one of those craftsman tool benches for kids, you know, the, the with the drawers that pull out and stuff like that. So it's Christmas morning and he's, he's playing with it and he grabs the top drawer and he pulls it and the whole drawer comes out and all the plastic tools fall over. And his response was, Oh fuck. And me me and my wife just literally were laughing so hard inside, but we're both like, we cannot laugh at this. We cannot laugh at it because he's going to think he can say that. And it's like, but I know where he got that from, right? right. Like, yeah. I'm like, right. I'm like, right. oh man, I'm in trouble now because <laughs> my three year old is dropping f bombs right now. Yeah, but no, uh, no denying it. Yeah, yeah and now he's not winning dad of the year. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, it was funny because when he was first started talking, uh, he would just call me Tom. You know, he didn't call me dad, right? Because nobody called me dad. So right. he, he heard everyone calling me Tom. So he'd just be like, Tom, Tom. <laughs> and people were like, does that bother you? And I'm like, no, why would he know to call me dad? Like, I don't sit there going, hi, I'm dad. Hi, I'm dad, right? Like, and then obviously when my younger son was born, Nolan, he, he you know, Cameron was calling me dad by then. So no one would just call me dad, but you know, in the beginning he had no one, no one called me dad. So he, everyone called I'll me Tom. Tom. He just called me Tom. You know, <laughs> I remember you telling that story. I think it was, the, I think it was a couple of years ago on uh, yeah. everything. It just so cracks me up. Cause um, like, yeah, my, my oldest will, my oldest will uh, knows how knows all of our names. And so like kill, um, and that's like, so speaking of like kids picking up on stuff. So like, I, I have like, I, I have to have the world's worst enunciation, like sincerely, because like, I, and I gr granted, I'll give you like bears an unusual name. That's fine. Like, I'll, I'll give you that like a hundred times over, but like every drive through every takeout place. Uh, I mean, I do sales for a living. I answer the phone and I've like people just never get the name like the most frequent when i'm answering when i'm talking on the phone i have some of my audience members have heard me say this will be like hey you know thanks for calling so and so i'm this bear how can i help you and they're like oh hi david I'm like nope not even <laughs> nope not even not even close like and and so over the years my thing has always been when i've introduced myself over something digital like the phone or i'm like 
and they're like, oh, what's your name? Or like, hi, this is, I'm, my name's Bear Like the Animal. Yeah. And people still get it wrong, which is the worst part ever. Like, you know, like, oh, oh, hi, Derek. I'm like, yeah. Hi, Derek, hi, Dave, like, hi David the Bear. Yeah, David, yeah. David, the animal. Yeah, great. Um, and so uh, Jeremiah, my oldest, has picked up on that. And so, like, when people will be like, we'll go at Starbucks and be like, hey, uh, can I get a name with the order? It's like, it's Bear. And it's Bear Like the Animal. And they're like, they'll repeat it back. He, and he'll say it, like, really sarcastically. Just like with like so much, well, it's actually not even sarcastic. It's just so much disdain for them because he's just seen me grumble about it over the years. And he's just like, <laughs> no, it's bear like the animal. <laughs> Gosh, dad, why don't they get it? <laughs> I don't know, son. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, and it, it, it just cr- it cracks me. It cracks me up every time that he just like basically sticks up for his old man. It's pretty good. But um it's those things. It's just crazy. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, this was something I was thinking about too. Like, um, you know, have, you know, you know, with your family living abroad, Oliver and everything like that, I mean, were cigars something I know I've, we've had this conversation with Tom over the last couple of years and everything, but like, were cigars something that you enjoyed with your dad? Have you enjoyed them with your father or, you know, is it just something that was just purely you, yours? No, so yeah, I mean, I definitely picked it up from from my family and from mostly from my dad. I mean, my my uncle smoked. There was a lot of cigarette smoking. I never got into to cigarettes, and uh, you know, early early on, I think you know, fifteen, sixteen, I started smoking uh, smoking cigars, and um, I was I was really just taking taking cigars out of his humidor uh, without him without him knowing at the time, and then uh, I just continued on, and I think when I moved out to. I don't know if I. I don't know if I. I can't. I wish. I wish I could remember the first time that we actually shared a cigar together. But I know the the one time that I can remember where you know it was it was, I guess impactful where it, you know it sits with me. I moved out to Las Vegas and I started in the business in '98, and um, you know he came out for for a visit. And, yeah, the first time we sat in the backyard and we were just talking about cigars and i grabbed some and introduced them to some you know some new lines because for him being european being french growing up with the classic cuban brands for him like he didn't even really deviate from you know the the monte cristos of the world the h Ubmans, the party gets and still to this day um those are the those are the lines that he'll bring up so obviously i introduced him to you know to our line and uh, our lines and and we'll smoke through them but yeah we we sit down quite a bit and uh, we'll share share a cigar together. In fact, last night we uh, we smoked an Atabay uh, together, so it was nice. It's a it's a nice feeling to be able to you know to do that and just reflect on life, have the conversation, laugh a little bit, and, you know, just like we do in, in lounges and like we're doing tonight. So, given this proclivity for more like the quote unquote European style cigars, Cuban cigars, cigars, obviously there are some of those that style Atabay, for instance, in your portfolio. Have you given him anything? Like out of the ordinary, like in your portfolio, there where he was just like, 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 like the United Broadly, for example, or something where he's just like, what is this? Um, he, he did, yeah, you know, that Lancero that that I had done, which was just, you know, just for me, the, the United Lancero, which was more for events and just for, for me to smoke. Um, that was, that was a little too strong for him. So he didn't, he didn't really care for it. I was, I was going to ask not, about that one specifically. Yeah. 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 Cause that one had some heft to it. 
I imagine. Yeah, yeah. But he, he likes the firecracker. Uh, likes it, uh, likes it a lot. He got, in fact, we just did, we just launched the, the Bandolero firecracker started shipping out to retailers this week. He, uh, he has one, but the weather wasn't cooperating with us today. So we didn't uh, have a chance to smoke it. That's, that's funny. So, um, I, I, we were talking about our kids picking up stuff from us and it, I, I don't know if it was, I mean, I'm, it was obviously posted and everything, but I don't know if, or uh, if she was, but your daughter, daughter, Olivia does the, does the taco selfie with you. Like it's uncanny, man. Like that. I yeah. mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty spot on. So, um, but I, I know you guys um, obviously shared that, uh, that, and we're going to talk about food here in a little bit as well, but like, and I know they're obviously underage and everything, but I mean, have, have they showed any interest in sharing a cigar with you at some point or, or is that, you know, the, just yeah. hasn't come up yeah. yet or yeah no no it's, it's definitely come up they've they've both taken taken puffs uh they have no interest in in cigarette smoking or vaping um and we've you know in the backyard when on a nice day when we're all out there, oh, dad uh, yeah <laughs> no to vape no they've, cigarettes fantastic no right right, <laughs> right. Then, then i'm then i'm good um and uh yeah we've, we've shared uh you know shared a couple puffs but uh you know it, it's funny my you know even my son he's like you know when i get older I, you know i'm definitely going to be smoking cigars so he, he's waiting for that you know that time and he wants in fact out of the one of his first one was going to be that uh i know we'll, we'll talk about it later but that stadium series one uh because his bear as you i think you know i've mentioned it before his middle name's fenway, fenway. Uh, yeah. big big red sox fan so i gave him i gave him a box and it sits the one that I have right now sits in his room and um, you know, we'll get, we'll get into it later. Cause there's, there's a lot of stuff on that box that means more to me than the, the cigar, like hidden, hidden things in there, but uh, that sits in his room. And um, that's one that, uh, that he wants to, to light up, you know, at some, uh, at some point. Well, we could talk about it now, but I, I wanted to know, Tom, I know you and Oliver, you know, obviously know each other really well. Um, but did you, did you know that his son's middle name was Fenway? I, I did not know that. <laughs> I yeah. did not. This, uh, that, that was the, the first thing I ever learned about, uh, learned about Oliver. So I, I, I was the first interview I ever did with him and I was, I was doing it with Coop and Aaron. We, I was, I was joined him on the, on the primetime show and like, I'm, I'm getting into the zoom room or whatever it is at the time that we were using. And, and they're like, bear, like, I mean, I haven't even said hi to this guy. I haven't even introduced myself. And they're like, ask him what his son's middle name is. It's like, and um, and it was the, the very first thing that I learned about Oliver was that his son's uh, middle name was Fenway and everything. So, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, so we talk about the stadium series that you guys collaborated on, um, you know, so there was the stadium series one uh, that you, you've gotten your, you had in your hand. I have uh, you, you gifted me one as well, Oliver, and I'm, I'm so grateful for this because uh, this is so cool. Um, and, and, uh, I, I love the hand placement there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's perfect. It's, it's a perfect, place. it's, it's, it's a perfect place to hold it. You know, it's a yeah, perfect yeah, place yeah, to hold it, up. you know? Everything's um, covered. um, and, but yeah, like you said, there's so many little things, um, in addition to my hand placement that you were talking about. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, so talk, yeah, talk a little about a little bit about, and I'm going to unveil stadium series two. I haven't opened it at all. I'm not opening this one. Oh, cool. I will open stadium series two though. All right. So first, you know, just being being the fact that his name's, uh, you know, middle name's Fenway. As he got older, he, his first Fenway, uh, his first game at Fenway, got his name up on the on the the billboard. You know, it was like a happy birthday. He was six months old, so I have a picture of him there. Um, and everybody, so 
actually my ex-wife at the you know at the time she didn't understand why we would call him Fenway what's you know Fenway it's a ballpark well it's ridiculous so at that point it was almost marriage over like you know we're, we're done what are you talking about like this is the holiest <laughs> holiest cathedral that I'm talking about and so I take him there and you know we're still there and she's like you know she we, we were talking about it and I go this is this is so special his name's on the light she loved that I go okay watch I turned around like this I go Hey guys, we're just, we're settling an argument right now. Uh, you know, she doesn't understand my son's middle name. And they're like, what is it? I was like, his middle name's Fenway. And they both sat back to like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it was like classic <laughs> Boston, right? They're like, no way. And then, and then that, you know, we told a couple of the people and then she went, you know, we had gone up, I was getting, I was getting a beer. She went to the bathroom and I'm, I'm standing there. And as you know, we are about to walk back down and somebody stopped us and they're like, Hey, this is this is the guy I was telling you about. His kid's middle name is Fenway, and so then it was like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's a little, you know, little crazy, but you know, now I understand it. So that's why, you know. And then when he got so anyway, fast forward. Then he got older. I took him to a game. He bolted one day down a restricted, you know, uh, authorized personnel only section because he saw Wally, and Wally is the green monster. Um, you know, for Fenway, that's the that's the. The mascot so i used to call him my little my little green monster and you know and then you know dave obviously came up with the you know the thing he wanted to call it the the green monster so the green monsters won but then on the side you see the asylum you know asylum cigar you see the scoreboard mm -hmm. but if you look if you look closely so i got i got clemens and you know it's a little little off but i put clemens and, and pedro's uh, and martinez yeah, yeah yeah his luke's baseball number he's at bat he's number five Oh, and then that's cool. If you look, yeah, if you look at the score, runs, hits, errors, and you go from top to bottom, runs. He was born twelve seven, and Olivia was born four twenty one. Oh, nice. So nice. yeah, through it, you know, just just a little hidden, hidden thing for you know, on our side. That's for me. That's, that's awesome. why it meant. Yeah, that's why it meant. Uh, yeah, this this project meant uh, meant a lot. It was it was great to collaborate with uh, yeah with Tom and, and get the. Yeah, that honker of a honker of a cigar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great project to do. I mean, we had a good time kind of coming up with the box and, you know, we uh, sat down with our guys and I said, this is what we want it to look like. And then they would send it over to Oliver and then Oliver would make the changes with the numbers and the scoreboard and all that stuff. So it was it was it was a lot of fun doing that. one. Yeah, yeah, it was special and it, it worked out. And then obviously the, you know, the home plate. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No, it's, it's, a, yeah, it was just really well constructed with these. So, so, I mean, Tom, yeah. I mean, how did you, I mean, I mean, this obviously has a lot of hidden meaning for Oliver uh, and everything like that. You, you, you're, you're a Detroit guy, Warren Brad. I mean, what, uh, um, was there some kind of agreement like, okay, we'll do Fenway, but you know, at some point we're going to, we're going to do tiger, old Tiger Stadium. Yeah. America, or... <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you know, obviously we were just visiting the office myself and Christian one day and, uh, you know, obviously Oliver was there and they, uh, presented us with the project and Christian, you know, we were both like, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to give it a go. And then, you know, the things that happened. So we got to, you know, again, do the, uh, uh, the, the new one for the, you know, earlier this year, that release. And, uh, so, you know, they've been fun projects to work on the, I think the factory, uh, the, our box factory actually hates us, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh they did a great job with them so yeah i was actually going to do that we're going to i was going to unveil the stadium too here so i have it and of course uh, trademark trademark tissue paper from 
for me there, Tom. So that's a good, good touch here. So I want to go ahead and open this up. So, and you guys can, can talk about this one. So, I mean, this is, this was also beautiful. I've seen it. I've seen pictures of it. And this kind of reminds me like the, the graphic almost kind of reminds me, takes me back to like uh, early nineties video game baseball. It just feels like it. I was like, Oh, this takes me home. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but it's beautiful green stadium series two. Um, I mean, beautiful wooden box too. And so, um, so we've got the, uh, of course, the infamous uh, ROSI's 1118 and then 2022 on it. So Oliver, why don't you walk us through this a little bit? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, staying, staying on the whole stadium series side and, uh, you know, just being a baseball fan, we wanted to go, you know, we figured this one's kind of, you know, the first one was more Red Sox and, you know, the second one we thought, you know, what better, what better team to kind of, you know, highlight and, go towards and, uh, you know, make it look a little bit like, uh, like a Yankees Yankees, uh, stadium. So, so it does, it's not, it doesn't look like the Yankee stadium, but you got the, you know, you got the columns and yeah, the, know, we didn't put the pins. Yeah. We didn't put the pinstripes because that's very, you know, it might be a little, little too much, but yeah, you got the red, white, and blue red, white, and blue. Yeah. It's yeah. gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. So, um, so obviously, I mean, you guys went with a different Batola of, different blend too as well on this particular one was there i mean was that was there any in, any intention behind that or is it just uh what worked out for it at the time or you know as far as the vitola it just it just it it just fit the it just fit the the pole pinstripe thing or what what were you go what were you guys going for there yeah yeah i think and tom if you want to jump in too it's uh i think when we were when we were thinking about it the original um plan was you know we we're thinking of like a more of a pyramid so it could all you know just fit into that box and then in the end um i thought it best I, I think you know tom thought it best to go with the 1118 you know uh christian as well and um it was just the you know good a great great blend great cigar to to match match with it yeah and christian took more of the lead on on this one where the first one we did a side you know we did uh asylum with it and, and did that and so when we did the sealy aroas side this time so christian took more of the lead i wasn't quite as involved in, in in the in the second one as uh as i was the first one so it was kind of you know that's kind of christian's trademark is that 11 18 shape and so he likes to include that uh you know it, it's unique nobody else makes it so it just made a you know again a unique size for for the second edition well, you know, speaking of family, so like in those numbers on the stadium series one, meaning so much for Oliver, I mean, th this was something that I learned, um, I don't know, not too long ago, I would say a couple years ago, um, about the, the, you know, like you said, the classic 1118 sizes, that's not like an old Cuban Vitola. That's not, like you said, you guys are the only ones that use it. And it's, 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 it's for Christian's mother. It's her, it's her birthday. It's an honor of her right. birthday. So um really cool thing there i liked how you guys use that kind of similar to you know how at yankee stadium they have the the numbers you the know retired uh, numbers yeah. the retired yeah. numbers so that was that was really cool too i really i really dug that man you guys did fantastic both y'all did a fantastic job on this this is just crazy i well, love thank it you, thank you yeah, it's just especially I think because of you know once FDA started happening, you couldn't come up with anything new and you know, all this you know the collaborations you know on 
especially on the on the United side. Um, you know, we try to do a lot of those. It just keeps things interesting. It's fun. Uh, it highlights you know some great cigars on on the market. Um, you know, the Asylum. You know, putting a Candela wrapper on that. The eleven eighteen. Uh, it's just fun. Yeah, you know, it's a fun. It's a fun project. And it's great working working with uh, you know a lot of these guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, have you guys, um, I mean, this, these are, these are the, f these are the first two collaborations, uh, between your two companies, correct? Yeah, correct. Now, Tom, uh, I might be missing something here. Is this Asylum's first collaboration? The, the, the stadium series one? Um, well, we, you know, we've done a few like private label things. Uh, you know, we do the, uh, <clears throat> a cigar for famous smoke shop. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we've got a couple of private labels we do under asylum, but, uh, and we do the big time Tommy uh, right. cigar too. But, uh, you know, this was the first one we did with another brand. So, you know, it's the only one we've actually done with another brand. You know, we've, uh, it's always been like either private label for uh, famous or, or, uh, you know, we did one with Santa Clara and, uh, but, uh, you know, but yeah, with, with another brand company. Yeah. This is the only ones we've ever done. That's, that's all. That's awesome. So I, I know. Um, and then I know that there's a, it's going to be a big year. This is the, this, you guys, uh, Oliver United is returning to the show, um, after your yes. absence. Well, technically two years, two, two mean, years but, yeah. uh, I mean, doesn't count when there wasn't a show so um and everything but, but it's a i mean a big year you guys have announced a lot of different projects um you mentioned the uh, the, the nationwide tour that you've gone on with nelson on uh, nelson alfonso uh the alfonso is coming out um alfonso's coming out yeah. as as well as the red anchor so um, let's talk about uh the namesake of um you know the creator of uh, of you know the headlining cigars of united which is atabay and the byron of course and everything so so talk about a little bit about that project and and what that's about. Yeah. Well, coming back to the show is, um, you know, is, is pretty special for us. It's been, it has been two years last year. We just, because of the, the pandemic, when, when there was no show, we, we looked at redesigning the booth. Uh, United has grown significantly since, um, you know, since really since I, I had started with the company in 2016, uh, selected tobacco has grown within our portfolio. That's the Atabay Byron Bandolero. So, we're still, you know, we're still the the distributor for Selected Tobacco, but we just didn't feel it was the right fit in the booth of Selected Tobacco as it was in years past because we've grown uh, so much and we started distributing uh, some other other lines. We just picked up Arnold Andre, uh, we picked up their Montosa line and their Terra Nova line, uh, and that's a two hundred year old German company, mostly known for their machine made. But in two thousand and ten, they bought a factory in the Dominican. 2011, they started making their own premium lines for the European market. And they really wanted to be in the U.S., so they um, they took us on as uh, as distributors. So, you know, with that, we just now we've we're still right next to each other. Uh, so United will have a 10 by 40 booth to match the 40 by 50 booth that Selected Tobacco has. So they've uh, you know they've grown tremendously. Uh, they have a you know Nelson Alfonso is the the creator of Atabay, Byron, and Bandolero. And now we're launching at the show, the Alfonso. We'll also be launching the Byron 1850, which we haven't announced yet, but we're announcing here on, on your show. Um, the Byron 1850 will be coming out. Uh, there's a yeah, Byron, the Apique Poem. There will be a limited release 30-count humidor uh, that will be coming out, numbered humidor. So 
um, it, it's been it's been an, a really exciting uh, couple of years, kind of I guess away from the away from the show. So this this show will be will have a lot of a lot of new uh, new items. Um, you know, we're again humbled just in the last couple of years. We have the Atabay Lounge in Frisco, Texas, with Industrial Cigars. We have the Byron Cigar Lounge in Schaumburg with uh, the guys over at, at Casa Monte Cristo, Sam and Mike Khalil. So, you know, just those two locations. And we did the 25th anniversary. Well, uh, actually, I think, I think I think there was a show. I think it was 2019. We did that uh, for Corona. We did their 25th. And we mm-hmm. did Cigars on the Ave. Uh, we did their 25th as well. So uh, this year, it was it was Casa de Monte Cristo's uh, 25th anniversary, but we called it the Byron uh, Cigar Lounge Humidor. We did their 25th anniversary, which was supposed to be last year. We just launched it uh, in May. So that's a 40-count humidor uh, with some limited uh, product in there, the Apic Poem and the Grand Poem and the Byron lines. And then we just launched um, last or two, yeah, two weeks ago now. Uh, at Ambassador Cigars, it's uh, it was Vartan's 25th anniversary as well, and that's where we launched the Alfonso line inside of his humidor. So, a lot of exciting stuff on the selected tobacco side, and then um, you know for for United, yeah, we have the Red Anchor as you mentioned. Uh, that's a collaboration with KBF with uh, Kellner Jr. and uh, very exciting because we're using some of his tobacco in the filler. Uh, it's a, a Habano uh, 2000 wrapper, Ecuadorian wrapper. Um, it uses his uh, Dominican um, family farms, um, tobacco on the binder and then San Vicente, uh, in the filler and, uh, Pennsylvania and broadleaf and some Dominican, uh, as well. So it's a really exciting line because that is actually, it's, we're celebrating the 250th anniversary of Red Anchor. Uh, that line came out in 1972 or sorry, 1772. And, uh, we're, we're relaunching it. It came out of Holland. So that's why originally, uh, Dave uh, Garofalo wanted to work with Hanky, uh, with Hanky, with Senior, and it just it wasn't going to be a match for where you know where he was. And we sat down with Hanky Junior, and we got the uh, got the okay. He wanted to be a part of it, and you know loved the history behind it. So we're we're launching the Red Anchor uh, this year. Only 250 boxes are made to celebrate the 250th anniversary. Um, so we'll be launching that at the show as well. That's awesome. Now, I don't think you could yeah. get away with that drive-by of a comment that the Byron 1850s that announced. <laughs> so, so, so what's 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 different from what separates this from other the other Byron offerings, which are obviously excellent. So this uh, this Byron so Nelson uses a lot of Ecuadorian uh, wrapper, but he also he plays a lot with Peruvian tobacco, and um, this particular one he's he's got some using a little bit more Nicaraguan. Uh, Lejero and Peruvian Lejero pairing those two together. Um, you know, still five years of age uh, on the product post roll. It's I would say it's a fuller bodied Byron, closer to like say the the Grand Poema, the 19th century mm-hmm. in his line, uh, but incredibly smooth. And and what you know, just being able to sit down with Nelson and and seeing what he's in the process of building in Spain and Miami. Um, he's building eight, these aging rooms that are unbelievable. Um, you know, he, he talks about, you know, not only blending the tobacco, but blending the cedar that he uses in these rooms to age the cigars. So the cigars already go through, you know, their fermentation process. He, he does it at least, uh, he says three to five times minimum of fermentation. But then after the cigars are rolled, 
He places them into the first year they go into the aging room using five different cedars, Spanish, Mexican, Brazilian, Lebanese, and Cuban cedars. That goes into the year one room of aging. And it's an aging, I say an aging room as opposed to what I always knew is a, a, you know, cigars would sit into in a humidor and they would, they would rest. Well, they're not only resting in this room, but he'll bring humidity down to 40% and then back up to 70, give or take, you know, sometimes he brings it up to 75, sometimes down to 35. But what that does, it actually shrinks the cigar and the cigar goes through what he calls a second fermentation. So it purges any other impurities in the, in the cigar at 35%. And then when it goes back up to 70, it's breathing in all the different cedar notes. So I think Byron really, that, that process and those cedar notes really affects the, the cigar in a positive way, more so because you'll have the different Vitolas in the different uh, series that have these, these crazy tastes. Um, you know, be people, you know, they'll come up and they're like, Hey, is there, is there cherry flavoring? Is there, or, you know, blueberries, the big one on the mm-hmm. Epic poem. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's the eight, you know, that aging process. Uh, it's very, it ends up being very clean on the palate because when you think of whiskeys or wines, when you look at the labels, the most important, one of the most important pieces on whiskeys and wines is the aging process in oak casks, or this is a French oak, or this is a, you know, charred oak. They're all very important in that aging process for, for Nelson. So, um, yeah, the Byron 1850 has, has five years of age. It was actually supposed to be launched in, uh, at the show in, in 2020 that's when it was going to be ready so it has a couple more years of, of oh, post-roll wow. age yeah nice Very yeah cool. it's, it's it's pretty special nice. so that's we're yeah real real excited for that one. terrific and you, and I, I gotta say sorry the band you know the bandolero firecracker just uh like i said just started shipping out to retailer um this we got at the end of last year i think november so it's been sitting in his you know even the bandolero boxes they're they're not it's not a, a cedar veneer it's actually cedar wood inside so when i smoked them back then they were fantastic now that they've rested for another six seven months in in those boxes they're they're unbelievable i'm really excited uh, to hear the response so speaking of the firecrack oliver you know um you know tom is always fond of telling me that you know he does make smaller vitolas so I'm just saying, I, an asylum firecracker would be would be pretty cool. <laughs> would be um, insane from, from a fan That's standpoint. Right. I'm just just putting it out there. You, we might have to rename it. You'd probably have to call it the you know the, the bomb or something or or something like that. I don't know if that's even allowed, but um, yeah. <laughs> but well, Espinosa's got the La Bamba, right? Yeah, so that's we, true. Oh move. God, I didn't. We, we got to be step, terrible. I with didn't even just, again, I didn't yeah. even step on that. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, yeah, that's uh, man, good call, good catch there, Tom. Um, I'm about to get everybody in trouble here. Um, but, <laughs> so, but um, the, the Bandoleros is, is a brand that's uh, I, I I don't know how to characterize this, Oliver. I don't because I don't I certainly don't want it to sound like disparaging or anything like that because I don't mean it that way. But it's, it, it's un- kind unknown. of known. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like a, be, a yeah. almost like yeah. a best kept secret that you guys have, and yeah. that that I mean, I've always enjoyed I've always enjoyed them the different variations and different lines and blends within, within the brand and everything. And it's um, it seems to have really, it seems to have really caught on uh, kind of, I would say regionally and everything within the, the United family that people really, really, really dig it. So um, if anyone's out there, hasn't tried anything from the band, from Bandolero, I really, I really encourage you guys to check out the new firecrackers if there aren't any left, because we know those, those sell out tend to sell out pretty quickly um, or, or any of the other variations. Cause they're, there's, they're, it's, it's a pretty stellar brand. Uh, brand, I have to say. 
So yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, it's it, it is unknown. Yeah, don't be don't be embarrassed by that at all. It's you know it's uh, you know the United portfolio in general is just you know it's still building. It's in you know really in its infancy. Um, you know we're we're just getting out to more and more retailers, and uh, you know for the out of a Byron line just being limited, it was hard to really just open. You know we weren't looking to open everybody and anybody. Um, mm. You know it had to be that had to be the right fit. Um, you know, we're limited on products, so we didn't want to hurt the ones that were supporting us to begin with. And then the Bandolero line was, you know, one in that portfolio that a little more approachable in pricing on the ten to seventeen dollar range, but still has two years of age post roll, which is, you know, just just different going through that aging process. So when you're sitting down with, uh, you know, any any one of the lines, there are three different lines in in Bandolero, so three different blends, um, Series A, uh, Series C, and Series T. They all kind of, you know, hit the palette differently. So Definitely. I appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. And you've done an incredible job building, building the United brand. I mean, Oliver, I mean that it's become, you know, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's no longer like an unknown. I would say like, it's, 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 it's out there and, and people are, you know, people are starting to take notice. People are, you know, smoking the cigars and everything. Not, you know, I think, I think out Bay certainly is, it's the, it's the beacon, right? It's the, you know, it's the, right. it's the one that attracts everybody and everything, but I think it brings, it brings so many people to the table of all these other blends and cigars and everything. Tom, you, you built, actually you helped build a couple of brands in your career. I mean, like, you know, when, I mean, when was it for you when you first saw Asylum? Like, I, I know that it's, you're still building it too, but like, when, like, when did it hit you that you're like, Wow, I've 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 built something really stable here. You know, like when like when was that moment for you? You know, I I don't think you you uh, you know obviously you see the the numbers going up, the brands going up, and and you know I think you know it was a I can't remember what year it was, but it was it was funny because um, you know we had hit uh, growth every month for for the first like five years, you know, and. and it was going up, going up, going up. And then we had one month, it was February. And, uh, you know, Christian doesn't tell. So if you look on, you know, the new uh, CLE signature Cameroon that we came out with, he's got some letters and some numbers on the box. And they say T-H-T-E-K-E-317. And uh, he still will not tell me what they mean. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you uh, when the time is right one day, right? But I figured that the EKE is his mother's initials, Anna Kafi Oroa. And then the 317, I was thinking about and thinking about. And finally, he kind of told me. And that was, uh, and this was probably year, year five. Uh, so about five years ago. And uh, the February, whatever happened that February, the numbers were off like 45% for us. And, uh, we, he, he, you know, Christian was like, Oh shit, did we hit the wall? What's happening? And, and, you know, and, and I think a lot of brands that same year talking to other people just kind of had a bad, it was a bad February. And, and then, uh, in March, Christian, he called me one day and he goes, and all of a sudden he's like in a much better mood and, and everything. And he's like, dude, we did half the business and didn't lose any money we made it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, we, 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 right. we, he's like, listen, we're in great shape, you know? And, and obviously the next month the business came back and whatever it was, we just had a, a poor month. It was one the first month we actually had that was poor in, in, in like five years. And, uh, 
you know, and, and that, that, that was a, a really good defining moment for us as a company financially, you know, because it takes a lot of money to keep reinvesting in tobacco. And, you know, obviously we have a box factory and we own our uh, farm and, and, and everything that goes into it. There's a lot of money. And uh, as the brand's growing, you're constantly have to, you know, take your, your capital and put it back into tobacco constantly because you need more every year because you're you know you were a growing brand still so uh that that was a good time and and, and i'd probably say the second moment was uh i remember i was in uh the tinder boxes in in charlotte area with craig Cass one day and he said you know and craig always he's got kind of a formula that he uses for his stores and and you know it's like 70 percent products that are um asked for that kind of turned by themselves. And then he leaves about 30% of his humidors to try new products. And if they make the cut, they make the cut. And if they don't make the cut, you know, so you're, you never know if you're making the cut there. And then one day he just told me, Oh, Tom, you guys, your brands made it. You're, you're like top five in, in all of my stores. You know? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, like, and you're like, you know, the seven seventies, you know, as an in, individual selling skew. So, uh, you know, you just, you, you hear those things and you feel really good, you know, and feel that the brand's in the right direction. And, you know, when you've got one of the best retailers in the country and, um, he doesn't have to sell it. It's selling for him. You know, you kind of feel, okay, we're, we're definitely, you know, uh, going the right direction, you know? Indeed. Indeed. Um, we're going to, speaking of asylum, the asylum's having a big year uh, this year. We are going to talk more about it, but we are going to break this. Is, this is the perfect time to break for our awesome uh, U.S. Presidential United segment. This is a new segment, Tom. So this is uh, something you haven't been able to participate in yet. So uh, this is a brainchild uh, from Oliver and uh, and the historian in me just absolutely went, went, went apeshit when he suggested it. So I'm st- super stoked about it. Um, now. Oliver knows the answer to the first question. So we're doubling down. We're doing two of these. So let's go ahead and get this, uh, this segment started, uh, which obviously is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Uh, buy one today and smoke uh, United Cigars. So uh, really, really wanted to kind of get into uh, some U.S. presidential trivia, Tom. That's what this is all about. So don't worry. It's multiple choice. So, <laughs> right. uh, so, Thank so, you. and uh, we've got a couple. You can't of lead to the side and cheat. So, yeah. so, <laughs> but this, this one, this one was, an, and if I hadn't been such a U.S. presidential trivia nerd, I would have not got this on the first try. But I learned about this years ago in school, and it's there's there's one bit of there's one bit of like interesting trivia about it too, uh, which is which is pretty insane. And uh, I'll, I'll go over that here in a second. So it's here it is, Tom. So which U.S. president had the most children during their lifetime? So it's either A, Donald Trump, B, John Tyler, C, John F. Kennedy, or D, Zachary Taylor. So the most children, Donald Trump, John Tyler. John F. Kennedy or Zachary Taylor? Well, I have no idea. So I don't think it's Trump and I don't think it's Kennedy. So I'm going to go with Zachary Taylor. 
Close. I knew the other guy. Oh man, close. (laughs) So okay, so man, this this is gonna just this gonna really really put me in a a bad spot because it's just it's like me being very stereotypical. I would have I would have I would have thought most people would pick Kennedy. You know the the whole Irish Catholic thing. Thing there. I mean their family their family's massive. Yeah. I mean their I mean their family is just massive. Uh, I mean his his brother Bobby had a ton of kids. Um, I mean, they're just there's just huge family and everything. No, but well, my thought to- my thought process was that I know, you know, listen, up until probably, you know, two two, my like my great grandfathers, they they always had tons of kids, right? And and a lot of farmers have tons of kids because mm-hmm. they put them to work on their farms, right? So I figured labor. I'm going I'm going older because they they would have kids to have labor, you know what I mean, right. on their farms. And most of the like the founding fathers were all farmers, you know, <laughs> so or most of them anyway. I, I'm surprised. Um, Lincoln had a number of children. Most of them didn't live very long. His his oldest son was the only one that actually lived to see adulthood. Uh, which was really, which is really sad when you think about it. Um, so, but he had several children, um, and you know there there are a few that had to know. But John Tyler, so here, uh, so Oliver, do you, do you do you know do you know the count? I know you I know you do the answer because you we talked about this question specifically when we were we were talking about this uh, this segment. Do you I'm know? Right. I, I think it was was it fifteen? Yeah, right? 15, fifteen kids. kids. So. So he was obviously he was president from 1841 to 1845. He first became a father in 1815. He had he had two different wives. So, I mean, so it wasn't one one wife that did eight children, but he had eight by his first wife and seven by his second wife. Uh, But his last child was born in 1860. So from 1815 (laughs) to 1860, he was having having kids. (laughs) So, um, you like practice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so wait, 18, how old was he in 1860? Um, so that would make, God, I'm going to, Oh man, I'm going to blow this in a big way. Um, I mean, 1815, if that was his first kid, let's say yeah. he was 20. So yeah. Tyler was the 10th president. <sighs> let's just say for rough numbers, right? For, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was. If he was twenty, then though, I mean seventy-five. Am I doing the math right? Yeah, I mean he died. He died two years after that last child was born. He died in the middle of the Civil War. He died in eighteen sixty-two. I know that. Um, he was. He but, was. Born, I just googled. He was born in seventeen ninety. <laughs> so his first, okay. he was twenty-five wow. years old. He was twenty-five. Okay, so yeah. So he wow, was so- seventy on the last kid. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, no, here's the, here, but here's the, here's the sad part. So that, that, that first child was a daughter and his daughter died when she was 30. He outlived her, but he, so did his, so did his old, his youngest child, his youngest child never got, she died before his youngest child was even born before his youngest child was even born. His young, her, her youngest sibling. That's what just, that's the crazy part. Um, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just insane how many kids this guy had and, and they all went on to do like amazing things. And like, I mean, there were some were like, some were doctors during the civil war, some became politicians and stuff. And I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, pretty cool family. If you like follow the, uh, ancestry.com line down, you just go through the, the, the family, the family tree of, of John Tyler. It's pretty interesting. 
But um, so it's pretty wild. So here's the second question. You guys are both up for this. So we're going to get answers from both you guys on this one. So same, same thing. Uh, so the found, one of the founding fathers of our nation and the first president, George Washington, how many children did him and Martha Washington have? So we're going to do multiple choice here. A, two, B, seven, C, zero, or four, or D, four, excuse me. So two, seven, zero, or four. You you want me to go? Yeah, uh, you, you go uh, first. I, um, I just don't. I'm gonna have to go with an with an oddball one, but I don't know if I I, I can't remember hearing anything about. Not that I heard anything about the other kids for John Tyler, but um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna say zero. We'll go with zero. Zero? Okay. We, we, we were thinking along the same lines, Oliver. I, I, I'm going with zero, too. I don't think she could have children. Both of you are correct. He had zero <laughs> children. He had zero children. Um, interestingly enough, though, it, it, here's a, uh, they, I mean, he, they wanted to have children. They loved kids. Um, in fact, uh, the, in Mount Vernon was always filled with children. Uh, Martha actually raised uh, uh, so raised two children from a previous marriage uh, that weren't her kids either. So like she had married someone who had had kids. um, And then that when that 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 husband died, she married George. And so she raised those children. And then. Um, they also w- raised four four grandchildren and several nieces and nephews were always constantly in Mount Vernon. Um, but the the best one is one of the kids' names, and this one, this one's awesome. So before, I mean, before it was um, before it was cool um, of na- <laughs> like just naming kids like weird names and stuff like that. Uh, George Washington's niece was named America. America, Pic- America Pickney. So, so they were even doing it back then. It wasn't just celebrities today naming their kids like Apple, <laughs> Apple, and weird stuff like that. You know, so yeah. or, or Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you and George are American That's treasures. Wild. Are American treasures, Oliver? Don't even, don't even, don't even yeah. yourself. Yeah. Amen. So. Amen. Oh, <laughs> um, wow, it's wild. It's crazy. Um, the fifteen kids thing still gets me. Like, so the. It's a lot. So, I mean, so you, Oliver, you have two, Tom, you have two boys. Correct. Yeah. I have two boys. I mean, was there, is that, was that the number when you guys were, you know, in that phase of having kids and stuff? I'm, we're, we're going to try for another one. I know that. So we're, we're, we're going for three. Um, You're going to be outnumbered. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was my first wife or my only wife, my ex-wife now, but she always wanted five. And then, but we waited till we were, you know, well, till I was 30 to start trying and she miscarried the first, but, uh, and then after two, she was like, nope, two's good. <laughs> two's good. So it was originally going to be, she wanted five, but we, we, we cut it off at two. Two. <laughs> was two yeah, always a magic number for you too, Oliver? Or? Yeah, I think, I, I don't think there was you know, ever a magic uh, number. I think, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, my, my, 
my first we were we were married and then our, our first, we weren't necessarily planning on it we wanted to have a kid but yeah luke was a total mistake um and then olivia we planned on and i think once we had boy girl it was like all right that's two we got one of each we're done we're good right Ra- you know wrap it up yeah nailed, nailed it on the first two try so <laughs> exactly, that, exactly. batting a thousand in the hall of fame we're good it's fantastic yeah. um yeah we um we're, we're gonna try to have another one um but my wife, my, my wife always wanted kids. Like, I mean, like from when she was a child, like that's what she, she wanted to be a mother above anything else. And, uh, and so she's like, well, how many kids do you want? And I said, that, well, that's up to you. I want kids. I said, it's gotta be more than one. Cause I don't want to raise an oldie child. Um, just personal preference for me. There's nothing wrong with raising an old, older child, only child. That just wasn't what I wanted. And she's like, well, what's the maximum you want? I was like seven. And she's like, Ooh. seven. And I was like, yeah, because <laughs> if we have seven plus the two of us, it's nine and we have a baseball team. There you go. She, she's like, you, you really thought about this? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. think about it. Like any church picnic, our family could dominate. It'd be awesome. <laughs> good, good planning. That's be a perfect. solid wiffle team. <laughs> I know. It'd be perfect. So um, we're not going to get to seven. I mean, I, I just, I know that now um, uh, just because. Uh, for one, money doesn't grow on trees, and and two, I'm like you said with three, Oliver. I'm going to be outnumbered. That would just be way too yeah. many. Uh, you think your body could even handle yeah. it? Like, let alone her body. But do you think your yeah, body I, could handle it? Oh, it's she's not, a, she's a lot. Work. She's a lot tougher right. than me. So I know she could do it. Yeah, no, I'm 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 out. Um, a lot of running around. Yeah, no joke, no joke. <laughs> so, um, so that was a. Those were the answers to our United Cigar Presidential Trivia. John Tyler, fifteen kids. George, the founding father, the first president of our United States, zero children of his own um, right here. So that always reminds us that uh, this segment is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana's and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. So smoke one today and start living united. So... Um, but going back into a couple of the things we were talking about with fatherhood guys, you know, I know that um, there were a couple other things I wanted to kind of chat about, and it was about lessons in particular, you know, like, you know, um, you know, Tom, you and I've had these conversations over the last couple of years and stuff. I know, I know one of your boys is really into theater and stuff. Is he still doing that or. He is man. He, you know, he, uh, not as much obviously covid killed a lot of the the theater for a couple years there and uh you know his uh he's going into his senior year now so he just finished up 11th grade and so he'll do uh the theater he'll 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 do the school stuff next year but uh he's kind of slowed down on the other stuff you know more things come into play girlfriends and he got a job now he's working you know a couple days a week during the school year and full-time during the summer so he uh he's you know he still loves it he still does it he's very comedic and 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 you know he's been uh a part of uh, a lot of uh you know singing and the choirs and stuff like that and he's gotten to go to the states and uh got the highest grades you know they don't it's not an actual competition they just grade you like one to four and so he he can enter two competitions uh, a duet and then a solo thing that he did and he got highest grades in both of those so yeah he, he still takes a lot of time into it um he's really wants to you know his, his goal is to be uh, a politician later in life so he was uh 
very fortunate. He just got back yesterday. Uh, they have something called Boys State. Yeah. And it's it's a political program in, in, in Michigan. So he actually goes yeah, to here in Texas, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, he, he uh, got sponsored to go and uh, he a- absolutely had a great time. He ended up, uh, you know, they, they make him do like um, they have to run for office. And, and so they basically do it at, at a state level. Uh, all the way down to the city. So they have city offices, county offices, and then um, governors, you know, and then you can run for Senate or the House. And so, but you got to literally, you know, run, you know, you, you, you've got to put a campaign together to, and get voted into these positions. And he ended up being the uh, uh, congressman and, and he ended up being uh, the majority uh, uh what do you call it? Uh, the majority, the majority uh, whip or whatever. Yeah. Or, yeah. So he got to kind of nix wow. a lot of things. He had a, he had a great time with it. So, you know, he, he he's planning on going uh, to, to school to be uh, for political science and law school after. So um, yeah, he loves it. So, you know, he's taking some more time away from that. He, he's kind of really focused on his studies and he's got uh, five, AP classes his senior year, so he really loaded himself up. But he's carrying like a four point two eight five GPA, um, so he, he he's keeps himself busy. And uh, but yeah, he's still doing some of the theater stuff, and he does the choir, still playing instruments, and um, you know, so yeah, he's having a good time with it still. Just not, he's not doing as many. So this is this is called this is called winning at life because Oliver not only names his son Luke Fenway. But then Luke comes up, comes on board and becomes a baseball player himself and a, and a, and a pretty damn good one too. Uh, and I mean, right, so, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's called winning at life, Oliver. That's fantastic. But, but what is, what is, I mean, what does Olivia do? What, what, what is she into? I, I know you're, you're, Olivia, you're a fan. I, you spend a lot of time with both of them. I know you're a fantastic father. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I mean, I have fun with them because it's, you know, you only have a, well, we all have a short amount of time on this on this earth, and uh, then you have a short amount of time with them before you know their friends start to influence their lives, and they just want to spend time with them, and then they're off to college or career, or, you know, whatever they get off to, and and then you just don't have as much time with them. So I always dedicated, you know, my time as much as I could with with travel to them, and, and you know, be it a six a.m. flight to get back to land in Boston for uh, you know to get back home for a twelve thirty basketball game. That's just you know, it's just what you do. Um, but Olivia, yeah, Olivia is uh, fantastic. She's more on the art side as opposed to athletics. She plays, you know, she was playing uh, a lot of basketball, soccer, um, and loved it, very competitive, but she always wanted to play just to just to play. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about the winning. It wasn't about, you know, how can I get to the next level? It was, I want to play with my friends. So, uh, you know, she still plays a lot, but a lot of, a lot of art and music and, um, you know, she, she does, uh, you know, a lot of poetry and, um, you know, things, things of that nature. So she's, uh, yeah, she's, she's a creative, you know, she's my creative kid and, uh, she's adventurous, uh, where she'll, she doesn't mind, you know, the, the daddy daughter dates where we go out and we're just trying food. So, yeah, you mentioned it earlier. She's got the taco face down because yeah, she doesn't mind, you know, goofing off a little bit. Um, you know, like I said, my son's sarcastic. He's a goofball too, but, um, and loves, he loves tacos, but he's a meat and potato guy and Olivia will eat just about, just about anything. 
So I can take her and, you know, those are our little adventures and we take trips to, you know, New York or, um, you know, we went down to Florida and we'll go to museums and we'll just do our, our more cultural um, trips together where Luke, if I take him on the trip with her, uh, in fact, when we went down to, we went down to Tampa and then St. Petersburg and everything, I had to put a, a baseball game in there for him. Otherwise it was like, I don't want to be at the beach. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be there, but baseball. Okay. Yeah, let's go. And uh, nice. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd get father of the year because you know, yeah, my son's good at baseball. Am I winning at life because he's doing it and his name's Fenway? Maybe, but I also brainwashed him at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> but he could have—he could have turned around and been and hated it. You know, I mean that that right, happens a right, lot. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. But I never force it. Like he's got—he's you know—he's got—you um, know—he's got friends on on different teams where you know it's more about for the the parent. It's more about them. Uh, it's more about the parent than it is for the kid, and they just force him. Um, you know, I got him. I know what he wants to do. He wants to play at the at the college level, and then you know, see what happens after that. But um, you know, I so I, I push him there, but not not to the extent where it's uh, about about me. It's about him. Um, but uh, I know where he wants to be, so I you know, I, I give him a schedule on what needs to be done. And uh, yeah, he's in the garage hitting when he can. He's uh, you know getting lessons, and he's out. He goes up to the field. He'll call either call his friends to pitch to him or soft toss or you know the ones that wanna you know want to actually play or he'll he'll just go up by himself he'll bring the tee up there and uh, just hit hit whenever he can. Wow, some awesome discipline from from yeah. a young man. That's great. Yeah, he, actually, uh, <laughs> real quick, he his first team that he was on as a kid. We were in Las Vegas. I brainwashed him so much that he cried when he got his uniform because he was a Yankee. Oh. And he didn't want to be on the team. I, I felt so bad. I felt oh. so bad. I was like, what did I do? And I was like, no, no, you have to understand. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's not the same. Cause it was, you know, it was always the evil empire. You know, these guys, you know, yeah. they were against them. And um, yeah, I, oh, I felt so bad. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to, I have to ask this all because like, I don't, I, Tom, I don't know if you saw this or if you, I, I know you don't spend as much time on social media as I do probably, but so I, I think it was after TPE, Oliver takes the red eye, gets back. It's a huge storm back East and everything, but Oliver takes a video of his son in, in a blizzard in nothing but shorts and snow boots, eating a banana on his patio furniture. So I got, it was this like, was this like getting him toughened up for the season, the upcoming season? What was going on with this? Yeah, that was uh, that was him being, you know, being his dad. I had, I had done it one one winter storm like two years before, and we have a lot of those here. So you got to sure. be creative. I, I had done it for uh, you know the guys at at uh, uh, small batch and and cigar noise. Uh, they wanted like a little intro, so I was sitting out there. Was I mean I had a newspaper. My feet were up on you know, I don't know how many inches of snow on the table. My feet were up, and I had cigars out, and I'm puffing on a cigar, and I just talked about it, and um, you know talked about the 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 cigar noise and he uh you know he always loved that and he's you know that's where he's adventurous he's more the daredevil you know you know jumping off of a, a bridge to do a flip into the water type of stuff where olivia's a little more reserved so yeah he he did that video and that was uh that's pretty pretty classic yeah so um last time we talked last year tom you know your oldest it was you had actually gone on a road trip with you you had just drove down from michigan all the way to miami yeah, your son was with you and everything. Um, so I, and I know that there was, I guess there was some building interest about him kind of 
following you into the into the cigar business. Is that still there? Or is he pursuing other opportunities or? Yeah, he, he's kind of at a stage, he, you know, college wasn't for him. He uh, was just kind of thinking uh, he, he's more entrepreneurial for sure, like I am. And uh, so now he's, you know, it, you know, it, it all kind of changes. He was going to move back to Miami and but, you know, girlfriend came into play and he's uh, he, he really started his own uh uh, detail business so he's detailing a lot of cars uh, you know uh, on the side and then he works he got into environmental cleanup so he's running some heavy equipment and he's got a union job making decent money now so he's uh but he, he doesn't want to do that for the rest of his life you know he told me he's like no nah, this is just for now i'm still got a plan but he loves racing cars like he, he absolutely okay. loves racing cars he, you know he got himself a the old BMW that he souped up to 600 horsepower now. And he, you know, Jeez. he's constantly building that thing. And he, he does a lot of videos and YouTube stuff and, uh, you know, just on cars. And so he's really into the car thing right now. Um, you know, he, he likes cigars. He comes and has cigar with me every, uh, so often, but, uh, or he'll call me when I'm out of town. Hey dad, can I go in the humidor and take some cigars? And, uh, so we'll see, you know, like I said, he's not, uh, he, he kind of wants to make his own way. You know what I mean? So he's always welcome. I mean, you know, it's funny, like he, he's a little different, uh, school wise, but we, we kind of, me and Christian always set a rule for kids that you have to get your degree and then go work somewhere else for three years. And then you can come into the business, you know, so, um, you know, Christian's son is, you know, in college, his oldest and his middle son, Julio, is uh, going to SMU. He'll be in Dallas uh, this year. And uh, so, you know, and his youngest son's still in high school. So uh, but I, I think, uh, you know, Christian, his oldest son wants to come into the business at some point. So, you know, I hope one of mine do. You know, I know Nolan wants to be. Uh, in politics or a, 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 a judge. Uh, but he's also approached me about coming into business and I said, well, you still got to finish college. You know what I mean? So, yes. but he, he's very studious where Cameron is a lot more like me. You know what I mean? Like school was a lot easier for me, but um, he just learns by doing it. He's got to tear it apart and put it back together. That's how he, just that's how he learns. He doesn't learn, uh, you know, by sitting in a classroom. It doesn't work for him. So he, he he's done a lot of work. He reads a lot and uh, he's got a very entrepreneurial spirit. So, uh, you know, I, I hope he comes in. But, you know, right now he's just kind of finding his way through life and going to decide to see where it takes him, you know. Well, um, I went to TCU, so uh, Christian and I just will have to uh, not talk about our, our, you know, where he's going <laughs> yeah. to school. But that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's a very difficult school to get into. So that's that's that's. I know you must be very proud. That's pretty awesome. But you know, it is. I'm kind of just hearing we, we, we're talking about our, our kids and catching up and everything. You know, there's it, it, what I'm hearing from both of you, and this is it's just really cool from this perspective because my you know my my oldest is six. You guys obviously have older kids and everything and, but their goals are becoming your goals. And that's, you know, that's, that's pretty awesome that you've kind of bought into each of their, each of in their individual plants and, and, and kind of supporting them along the way. I mean, I mean, we hear that all the time about support, support and everything. So that kind of led me into the question about, you know, lessons that your father may have taught you, um, you know, with, 
did did any of did either one of your dads like teach you a lesson that they specifically it was like hey you're going to want to do this with your kids one day um or have you taught your children a similar lesson that hey you're going to you're going to do this with your kids yeah i mean i mean bear i think you know we might have mentioned it the first year you know and and it still stands today is you know, the one thing my dad taught me is whatever you do, you do it the best you can, you know, and so I've always really been a stickler with my children about doing things a certain way, you know, with, with pride mm-hmm. and, and doing it the right way. And, you know, it maybe you might not know how to do it the best way, but you do it the best that you know, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you learn. And, um, you know, th- I think that's really a fun thing to see as your kids get older uh, and they start living by that, you know, cause you put it into them all the time, all the time, all the time as they grow up and then you see them and, and working or whatever job they're at and, and you meet the people that they work for and those things. And, um, you know, when they come to you and they tell you, Hey man, the kid works his ass off, man. He's a, he's a great worker and, and, um, you know, makes you proud, you know, like I said, sure. it might not be exactly where you want them to be. Uh, in life, but at least, you know, they're, they're, they're following just kind of, kind of the path you laid for them on how to be successful. So it, it's, it's very rewarding to see uh, your kids learning and, and kind of following a, a code that it was kind of drilled into me my whole life, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. I remember we, yeah. we, we did talk about that the first show. Oliver. Yeah. Go. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, uh, you know, really, I mean, they, they test you for sure. And in the house and you're like, you know, sometimes you feel like you're, you're, you're almost failing as a parent and, you know, because they, they test you with everything, but then once they leave the the house, you know, where, where I know that we're, we're doing a good job is that, you know, so many parents and um, you know, other, other people either in the profession or, or other profession, they, they just tell you how respectful your kid is. And um, you know, it's, so for you know, like Luke and, and Olivia, the handshake was the most important, um, you know, for me, cause that starts everything off. Um, but I guess what, what I could take from, you know, my father was really just accountability and following things through, um, you know, and taking, taking ownership. So I know I, you know, I, I instilled that in my kids, uh, you know, they, they started, you know, I'll take, I'll go back to, to, to Luke, you know, he wanted to start the trumpet. And, you know, after we bought the trumpet and he started, you know, playing in, in the band, uh, it just wasn't for him. Um, and he wanted to quit. I was like, you, no, you're not, you're not quitting. You're going to follow this through until the end of the year. And then after that, if it's still not for you, then, then you can drop it. But, you know, that's what you wanted to do. Uh, that's what, you know, we supported you on. So that's what you're going to, to finish. Um, you know, outside, of, outside, of, I always tell him outside of these four walls, um, I can't, I'm not going to be there uh, for either one of you. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll obviously be there if something happens, but it, you represent the name and then you have to make the decision. So always think of what the, the impact of your actions uh, are going to be. And if that's what you want to do, then you follow through on it. If it's good or bad, um, you know, you have to, you have to live with it and that's what you, you'll learn from. Uh, you know, so I, I would say the thing that I learned was the, yeah, definitely the accountability and follow through. Um, and ownership of, of whatever you do. It, you know, I swear all over. It's like, it, 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 I think you were reading my mind a little bit about something that I wanted to bring up tonight. Cause this is, 
this has been a, and I'm going to be a little vulnerable myself here. Like this has been a struggle for me. I, I understand my son is six. Like I get that. And he's very, very much de- in the developing stages of everything. But, but I also don't want him to be a quitter and not like in the sense of like, you know, like, Hey, you'll finish coloring that, that picture there. Like not, not like nothing that stern, but like, I see him give up really, he, I see him get frustrated and I see him give up and it, you know, it, it doesn't make me angry. It, it does frustrate me. And I just don't, I, I don't know the proper level of encouragement. Like, I don't know what do am, is it. If I, if I stay on him, am I, am I being overbearing? He is six, right? Like, this right. is just like one of those things. Like, I mean, so I'm actually, I'm actually going to come to you both on this. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know what to do, you know? Uh, Listen, I, I mean, you know, I, I live the same way, you know, with my kids was the same way as Oliver's, you know? It, it, it's, you know, if you start something, you're making a commitment to other people and, and it's not just to yourself and, and you know, to, to finish what you start. And again, at the end of the year, you don't want to do it. That, that's a whole nother story. But um, I, I think... Uh, it's not being overbearing, you know, kids today need that guidance and you have to kind of continue to, to put that in them and not let them give up. And even if they fail, you know, at it, right. it, it it's okay for them to fail. They, they need to learn what failure is. That's what makes people better. You yeah. know, like every cigar we come out with isn't a success. You know, there's some that just don't do well and we, I don't quit. And I'm like, I'm not making any more cigars. You know, we got to come out with something <laughs> else and find what works. And, you know, so wherever they're at in life, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I would tell my kid the same thing at 20 as I would tell them at, as, at six, you know, um, accountability for yourself. You know, like yeah. you said, I mean, I, I tell my kids the exact same thing that you say, Oliver, is, is um, you know, you're old enough, to, you know, you and when you go out of this house, you're you're representing our family, our name, you're, you're representing yourself and, and you know, uh, take time to think about your decisions. You know, don't make them on an impulse, make them based upon can, you know, weigh out the pros and cons. And if you can accept the consequence of your action, then, you know, that's the choice you make, you know, but think about the consequences of those actions first, you know? And, and I think that's a good approach to, to a young child because, you know, there's consequence to his action. So sometimes it might take him quitting something to see the consequence and you tell him, Hey, you, you know, these people depended on you. Like if you're on a baseball team and you know, like my younger son played just like Oliver's daughter, he didn't really care about, football or, or baseball or basketball he just it was social for him his friends were doing it where my older son was way more competitive and you know more into the physical football and, and and enjoyed the physical part you know he just had the mentality for it where no just didn't have it you know he's a lover not a fighter the kid just he you know he he makes you laugh he's just a good-hearted kid and you know banging into people wasn't his thing you know and and but he had to finish, you know, like his, this last year of football, he, he really wasn't wanting to finish and, and, you know, he finished. And, and then the next year he, he said he wanted to get into the acting and singing and that's what he did. And he's done very well at it. So um, they find their way, you know, I find the biggest yeah. thing, like my oldest son, I could drill him and, and drill him and drill him about education and doing this. He, he was going to do it his way. 
I mean, you know, I could either support him or, you know, I could throw him out the door. And uh, so I had to support him and he's done the right things and he, he works and, 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 you know, he's a young kid. He's invincible at 20, you know, so maybe he drives too fast sometimes or other things, but you know, he's, he's a very good kid. And, um, you know, you, you just hope all the steps that you take why you raise them and, and, you know, they're still young. You can make a mistake at any point in his life that could be life changing, you know, so it's never over, you know, as a parent, it, it never ends, but, um, you hope they're, they're, they're making good decisions and doing the right thing. And I think you just have to be consistent with them, man, just stay consistent and, 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 and drill the same values into them every day of his life. And it, they'll figure it out as they get older, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I think they're, they're going to be frustrated, especially at that age. It's, you know, they're learning so much and they're taking so much in, um, you know, for, for me, it was always, uh, and I think because I was, I was pounding baseball into, into Luke, that's just a game of failure. Um, and, right. and, you know, and you can't, you can't play that game with fear, uh, be it in the outfield or, or at bat. And I know he always tells me that the, the one thing that, you know, he learned for me, be it good or bad is you know, I told him, I said, pain is pain is temporary. Um, and you can see, I mean, you know, Tom, I don't know if you see it on social media. I post a lot of his, his stuff, but he gets hit by the pitch and everyone always always asks me like is he crowding the plate no but at this stage of the uh, of of the skill level like the ball is moving and you'll see a lot of kids they jump out of the way where you know he waits and if it doesn't break then he'll just you know turn a little it's the pitcher's fault then he'll take the, you know take the base yeah so you know that that's it's gonna happen he got he got drilled in the chin um you know maybe a month oh, ago because oh, he really thought yeah he had uh yeah i don't know if you I'll, I'll send that to you um you know, it was a guy that, that was pitching that he plays with on his AAU team. And he he had an 0-2 count. He had followed off a couple. And he's like, yeah, this kid's going to throw me a, a breaking ball. And it didn't break. And last minute, he kind of, you know, just turned a little bit and hit him right in the chin. But he was down for a little bit. You know, the uh, training staff came out and they, they looked him over and he, he went over to first. But uh, he's just he's just the tough, you know, the tough kid where, um, you know, my daughter was, you know, we, she tried to get into softball and, the three of us were playing catch one time and I nailed her in the nose because she didn't move her glove <laughs> and just a blood curdling scream comes out. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was it. That was it for her. She was done. But um, yeah, I mean, I, the lesson you can't, you know, if you force, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, for, for me, it was never forcing them on one thing and just driving it because then, then that's where the separation in the, the parenting, again, I'm not an expert, the parenting, aspect starts to cause a divide and then they don't want to come to you for the help. They don't want to ask you, you know, how do I do this, this problem? Because the last time I asked you about the problem and I couldn't get through it, we sat here for a half an hour to do extra work. And the last thing they want to do is extra work. Uh, mm. So it's just, it's guiding them through, letting them know that frustration is all part of, part of life. Failure is all, you know, like, like you said, dumb. failure is part of life. Uh, you gotta, you gotta learn from it, embrace it and accept it and, and move on. Uh, because if you don't, then that failure can, you know, be tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. You, just, you can't get yourself out. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a funny story is my kids were little, probably, I don't know, seven and five or something at the time. And we had done me and Christian had done some events up here and it, it was around mother's day. And he's like, ah, oh, you should just bring the whole family down, you know, and, and spend a couple of days in Miami and then go to uh, Orlando. 
So I said, all right, my kids wanted to go. So we flew, flew to Miami and stayed a couple of days at Christian with Christian. And, you know, all, we have boys, uh, they're all a year apart. So his oldest is, is 18, almost 19 or, uh, pardon me, Cam Christian will be 21 and Cameron is 20. And then, you know, then he's got Julio who's 18, Nolan 17 and Santi 16. So, uh, you know, they're all right in between each other. So went to the house and they were all swimming in the pool and they grew up, you know, they're, they're in Miami. The weather's nice all the time. They swam all the time. You know, I'm in the, in the North, like you, you know, it's cold most of the time. And, <laughs> right. and so, you know, my kids would swim, but they were little, right. So they had water wigs on. And I remember we, we left their house and we were driving to Orlando and, you know, I asked my boys, I said, well, did, did you guys have fun? He goes, yeah, dad, but they were, his kids were making fun of us because we didn't know how to swim. And I said, well, you know how to fix that? And he's like, how? And I'm like, we'll learn how to swim. <laughs> you, right. you know, right. but they were so pissed off that, you know, big Christian and, and little, little Christian and, and Julio were like making fun of them because they had their water wigs on, you know, <laughs> and they were so pissed. And I'm like, listen, it's a pretty easy problem to solve. Just learn how to swim. This ain't that hard, <laughs> you know, yeah. but it, it was pretty funny. Yeah, sometimes and sometimes you need those. Yeah, you know, and that that's that was a, a failure, yeah. right? For for them, right? They they get the the water wings on and they want to get out of it, but they need to, you know, not not that it's it's okay for kids to make fun of other kids, whatever. But sometimes you need that. I mean, that's what makes you stronger. It makes you want to go down a different path. Otherwise, yeah. you know, what's going to happen? You know, keep the that, water wings on. That's something I really wanted to instill in him, and I try to tell him all the time. Like when he when he messes up, that 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 does that's that doesn't bother me. It's the it's the not trying that bothers me. And, yeah, hundred hundred percent. And and you know, and every time he tries, like that's when I get really excited. Like I'm just like, hey, we're gonna do this. And when he doesn't fight me, and he tries, and and you know, even when he you know he messes up at something, I, I'm 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 just really excited because he he tried it, you know. And that's and yeah. so it, I mean. I mean, it sounds like it's just part of the developmental stage. It's just like one of the, it's just one of the infuriating things. Just like, dude, don't quit, man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, don't yeah. do it at all. Uh, so I know we're, you know, for our audience, everything we're talking a lot about um, our families tonight. Obviously, it's Father's Day. We're celebrating Father's Day, the three of us together, and we're uh, by no by no stretch of the imagination are we are we perfect. Uh, or anything like that. Perfect parents or perfect fathers, and, and but uh, we do recognize the importance of uh, of being there for our children. And uh, sometimes, you know, uh, not all parents can be there for. It. And so tonight's uh, charity, in honor of the two gentlemen that I'm sitting with tonight, um, I've uh, I've selected the Boys and Girls Clubs of Boston and Detroit, uh, or the Boys and Girls Club specifically of Southeastern Michigan, um, for tonight's charity. So uh, I'll be posting those later in the in the in the chat and also in the show notes, uh, a great organization that uh, does a lot for uh, kids in these communities um, by being there when, you know, obviously sometimes parents aren't able to, but also just continue education, social education, the encouragement that we were just talking about that I struggle with my own son and everything. Um, great organizations. And these are two uh, amazing, uh, amazing uh, uh, sec sections of that organization, I guess, in Boston and in Southeastern Michigan. So um, really encourage you guys to give um, or uh, learn more about the Boys and Girls Club because it's a fantastic organization. That's great. 
So, yeah, uh, thank you, Bear. Oh, absolutely. And in uh, and in fashion here at LS Fumar takes. Uh, both both chapters will be that was the word I was looking for earlier chapter uh, both chapters will be receiving <laughs> a donation from my wife and I in honor of you two gentlemen tonight so uh, uh, again thank you so much for being a part of the show uh, but but uh, we we uh, we need to talk a little bit about asylum cigars Tom asylum is turning 10 how about we that? are we are you know the the years keep going by and then you realize you're like one of the old guys in the business now you know they just keep ticking by and you know 21 years now in the business and uh it's uh it's been a great ride 10 so, years of asylum congratulations man yeah thank you That's thank awesome. you yeah we'll, we'll be 10 on uh july 2nd and uh you know, at the show, we'll be uh, we 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 did the pre-sale, but we'll be showing the uh, Asylum Ten, which is our limited edition cigar every year, and we've we've kept the new cigars to a pretty uh, a minimum uh, this year, just because uh, we're still trying to supply everything that we have, and and back orders are still still high, uh, demand is still really high, so uh, we've limited the new products, uh, you know, to a few things. We got the Asylum Ten. Um, coming out in the 1118 and the 770 and then we'll have the pca exclusives we've got noroa and asylum coming out this year uh it'll be the same blends as last year but we did box press last year so there'll be ron batolas this year and then you know we're, we're known we're obviously people think of asylum they think of big ring gauges so um you know we're going to do one a, a real thin one called the the pencil and it's going to have uh, erasers on both ends. It's completely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's not real. There we go. See, that's I, a I thought I, you see, I throw it in there. Uh, Sorry, I knew it. I knew it. Oh man, <laughs> worked it in. That was good. Sorry. Oh, I, I was I was in until the I was in until the punchline. I was like I was like that's an interesting take. The pe- Okay. To, uh, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you said erasers. I'm like, what's he gonna do for the erasers? Is that a filter? Like, <laughs> no point. Good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but those are really the only you know the the two things we're doing is the uh, uh, the Aroa in in the PCA and uh, Asylum PCAs and then the the Asylum Tens and. Uh, so we're keeping it very simple this year. You know, we're uh, trying to just meet demand of, of product. It's been a struggle over the last couple of years. And, you know, we've really put a lot of effort and, and investment into uh, uh, another factory. We built a second factory in Honduras okay. and in Tegucigalpa. Um, and then we bought, uh, we built a, a new brand new box factory boxes were being come a pinch point. So we expanded our box factory. We moved it built a brand new state-of-the-art box facility um so that's up and running now and you know we're experimenting with some new farms in in some different countries uh we we, we started a farm in mexico and and one in colombia oh, wow. um okay. so we're waiting to see how those tobaccos come out and uh so th- that we haven't been able to smoke yet but uh uh looks really good so far the, especially colombia looks unbelievable so um, we're, we're a few months away from being able to try the tobacco in the very early stages, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, so we're putting a lot of investment back into the business and, and trying to get production up higher. Um, you know, obviously with COVID, everything kind of went crazy. And then, uh, 
you know, the European markets now have uh, been kind of pinched, sucked dry of uh, Cuban cigars. They're a lot harder to get there with uh, everything, that, you know, the new Eltidus sending everything to uh, the Asian markets and the price points have went up. So uh, we've been super busy in, in the European market. So the, that segment is growing massively. So it's uh, it's a good problem to have, but we've had to put a lot of investment back into the business to to get supply and demand tobacco and, and boxes that every part of the business we've had to uh really uh invest in box thing has just been absolutely crazy i mean that's been going on um i mean as far back further back than even last year but i mean that was i mean i i, I mean i can't tell you how many interviews i did at the trade show last year where they're like yeah the cigars are ready and it wasn't like 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 you know in years past like there had been people who had said that and they're like, oh, we're waiting on, you know, we're waiting on boxes or something. like. And it was just a total BS line. This was, I mean, there was just so many. Like, like you, 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 it was no choice. I mean, no choice but to leave everybody. It was just nuts. Like, the box issue was just insane. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, it's tough, man. The boxes are definitely, a, uh, you know, a necessity, you know. And then, yeah. you know, we did the, the, you know, and we had a couple boxes that were a lot more intricate. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, yeah. the, the, the stadium. The stadium series, and at the same time, we had the uh, the ninety by nines. You know, each one's individually coffin, so we had to make all those. And then the PCAs had the ashtrays on top. Uh, the lids of the ashtrays uh, of the boxes are ashtrays. Yeah. So you know, they were, it just kind of slowed production down. So we have to find ways to address that. You know. Well, thankfully, Christian hates cellophane, and and you wouldn't have to worry about. So you won't have to worry about that too. You just have the tissue uh, yeah. paper. So, but yeah, I'm sure tissue to, paper was probably an issue too. Try finding tissue paper right now. It's <laughs> not the. It, it, it's tough. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just it's just insane. But so I, I know much. I know people are like they're like okay, stop talking about package bear. You have to ask Tom the question. Um. So no, it's the asylum. It's, t- no. it's not. T- it, it, it's not it, ten it, by hundred. No, it is okay. not. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought long and long and hard about it. You know what I mean? But it was just, I, I mean, it's just an incredible amount of tobacco. I mean, the 990 yeah. weighs as much as 270s. You know, and people still look at a oh 70 God. and they're like, that's huge. And then we, the 990 actually weighs exactly as much as 270 ring gauge cigars. So uh that's crazy 10 by 10 by 100 was just uh too much i'm not gonna say never we're not gonna do it but right now it's it's just too much tobacco man (laughs) we we were on pins and needles about that too like after we left the booth last year we were talking about the nine by 90 and i was like i looked at ben lee and i was like he's gonna do it he's gonna do the 10 by 100 for next year he's like god that's gonna be massive that's a baseball bat (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, I uh, I mean that that would like you said never say never, but that that would have been incredible. So so it is the seven by seventies and the eleven eighteen. So you got you're you're kind of going back to that old thing. I mean, yeah. so so how many cigars? Is it ten cigars to celebrate the anniversary? They're, they're twenty. They're twenty count boxes, each individual, each individual individually coffined. Uh, but we'll continue the 990s. Um, they they've been a huge success for us. They, they keep selling out of them. So we decided to make the 990. It'll stay the same blend as the Asylum 9. Okay. Uh, but that one will will we'll re- uh, we're going to release twice a year. Okay. So, you know, the reps will have a month to sell it in the, early in the year and then a month to sell it later in the year. And we'll make whatever they order. 
So it's just going to be a uh, twice a year release that we do with the 990. So we're going to continue those, uh, but we're not going to change the blend every year. It's going to stay the 990 that we have and uh, just launch it twice a year. Okay. So the, the pre-order is on for the 10, but you'll be showcasing it, obviously, like you said, at the show. Um, yep. what, so what's the, what's the blend component of, of, of the 10? Um, that's a good question, man. We never, we never tell you guys the uh, actual blend. I still have to ask uh, the question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one. We, 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 we never, uh, release the, the blends. Um, you know, it, obviously we use a lot of Hunter and tobacco, so it'll be a Hunter and base. Uh, but, uh, th- those cigars should be ready any day. And, uh, we're hoping they'll ship in, uh, at the end of July, they, they should be done this year. So the last year it took a little longer, but, uh, we're in a better position this year to have it ready for, uh, end of July, early August. And, and, uh, we'll also be featuring the packaging of the new asylum 11. So uh, it, they came out awesome. The packaging, um, we haven't made the blend yet. I don't know what the blend is going to be on that, but we're going to actually start the pre-sale on the 11s at the show this year too, because, uh, the 24th of this month is the last day you can pre-order the asylum tens. Okay. So we got about five days left next Friday is the last day you can, uh, pre-order the tens and, you know, uh, and then we'll at the show, we'll start promoting the 11s. That's great. That's right. Well, well, happy, happy anniversary, Tom, to, to you guys. I mean, that's hard to earn 10 years of, of, of amazing work and everything. And like you said, you know, that story with the, with Craig Cast and everything where you've, you feel like, and then the story with Christian too, you feel like you've made it with these, these, these kind of milestones and everything. It's, it's, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think, you know, and congratulations. I think one of the, one of the great things about, you know, about you and Christian and, and why I, I think we aligned well with the, you know, that St. Anne series, you know, the growth that you guys have seen, it hasn't come from, um, you know, there, there's, there's different strategies to get cigars on the market. Um, and you guys have always stayed true. It's not uh, just forcing it on either retailers or forcing it on customers, you know, discounting or specials or anything, you know, uh, that can um, really devalue the brand. You guys have always kept the, the value there. It's all about the, the brand because you know how much work goes into the cigar. And yeah. you've kept it. You've kept it there. It's not, you know, as crazy as it sounds, you know, when you evaluate a company, it's not it's not just on sales, right? Because I think you yeah. talked about it earlier. There's so much money going in and to build a brand, there's money going into it. So sales can be, yeah, it can be through the roof, but then what's the, what's the end um, number. And you guys have always stayed, you know, really true to that. And you, you built it on uh, you know, just a solid, solid foundation. Yeah. I appreciate that, Oliver. You know, we, we've worked really hard to protect our brands and, and really try and create brands, you know, it, right. Right. It's easy to come up with names in a cigar. Well, not easy, but you know, you, you, you know, it's easy to put something out there. Uh, but you know, it takes everything. You know, we, we talked a lot. We just recently had a sales meeting in Orlando a few weeks back. And, you know, we, you know, when you talk about a company and how you build it and, and everything that goes into it, um, every single part uh, of the team is just as important as the other, you know, whether it's the salespeople, whether it's us blending a cigar, whether it's the rollers or the box makers or whatever, if any part of that isn't working properly, it's going to affect our company. So, um, you know, it really is a a team effort, a a real, uh, 
you know, we put a lot of emphasis, uh, you know, even with our salespeople is like, listen, go out and make that extra call every day because you're supporting the people in Honduras and Nicaragua who, who are out there uh, every day rolling the cigars and picking the tobacco and fermenting the tobacco and, and making the boxes. And, you know, uh, you know, it's just not you you're supporting. It's just not us that we're uh, supporting. We're, you know, our families, we're, we're supporting all these families in Honduras and Nicaragua that uh, are trying to make a living to feed their families. So it, it takes every part of our business. Not one is more important than the other. You know, it's kind of, it's funny. I've just kind of noticed the correlation between that last statement there, Tom, and like the, the advice that I was seeking about my own son. Like you were, both of you basically said this without saying like, and taking, taking ownership, taking ownership of, uh, of, of your, you know, of your responsibility. Like you said, make one, make one more call because it's, it's not just about you. Yeah. Your, your paycheck's important and, and that's great, yeah. but there, there are other people here uh, that are, that are dependent upon that. So uh, um, I think that's a, a fantastic philosophy and it's obviously, it's always proved well for you. Um, but uh, it kind of takes us into our, our next segment here, which is of course is, is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place, gentlemen. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in your own personal asylum. Moments like this were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. So the idea behind this segment is, is that we have, you guys have been on the road. Uh, you said, Tom, you've been at home for five weeks this year, Oliver, you've been traveling like crazy and everything. So much what we do in the cigar industry. And I think that for, I, I think I can speak for the three of us. So much of what we love about the cigar industry is the community, the, 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 the brotherhood, the sisterhood uh, that it kind of brings together, you know? Um, but there are those moments that where it's just you and the cigar and it can be anything, you know, and I'm sure you guys have had several over the years and everything, but if I'd like for y'all to share one of those moments. So um, Oliver, um, what's, what's a moment where it's just kind of been you and the cigar, something about it, you remember that kind of sinks in, you know, goes, goes to memory and, and has kind of kind of locked you in to that moment. Um, well, I, I mean, I can, I can say one, one recent, recent moment, uh, you know, traveling, actually traveling with Nelson and, and smoking the, uh, we sat down, we were in Texas and, you know, we had, um, you know, we had, we had some, some plans and some visits to do, but we took some time in the morning, uh, and it turned into about, you know, just two and a half, three hours of us on the patio, uh, at the Hilton outside you know kind of laying things out and talking about the you know talking about the new alfonso and smoking and you know i found myself just kind of you know not not necessarily zoning out from what he was saying but he was you know nelson sitting there talking he's he's you know very animated um and very passionate and i'm listening to him but then i had to, i stopped him at one point and i said this is this is just something incredibly unique and it, it just it was it was just taking me away from, from that moment, but I had to share that with him on, on what he did because he puts, you know, he puts so much work into it and his family, um, you know, he has his, his, he has two sons, uh, his son, uh, Nelson jr. Uh, 30, he's 32 now. 
And then his son, Fabio, is 18. And both are, are kind of involved, but, the, you know, they had their lives that they were starting to, to build. And, um, you know, his wife, because of what Nelson does as his real profession, I would say, with his design, uh, design company, um, you know, they're like, why don't you just focus on the, on the design work? That's where your money is. And they, you know, they produce, you know, he produces ashtrays and, you know, all these, all these beautiful, beautiful pieces. And they're like, this is, this is the, this is where the money is. This is where your, your life is. You can't jeopardize that, you know? And so he's so passionate about the cigar side and we're talking about the family, but now the family is going to really see everything that's going to happen in the future. His wife's coming to the, um, you know, the, the final stop for us in Chicago. Uh, his son, Fabio, uh, I think gave Nelson one of the, the most beautiful gifts uh, of all. He, he came uh, to New Hampshire for a couple events that we, we just did. And he was supposed to fly back to Spain and then fly back uh, for the Chicago event. But he said, you know what, I'm going to stay. I'm going to, I want to see Miami. I want to, I want to be, I definitely want to be a part of this with you. So, uh, you know, for me, where, where Cigar in most recent times, um, you know, that, that really took me away was that, that meeting that I had with, uh, with Nelson, where we were just sitting talking about life and, you know, the business and, and everything that he does and all the passion that he has into it. Um, you know, that, I guess that moment and everything, the way he was describing it and how much, you know, again, it, it is passion. We all have passion because we're in the business and it brings everybody together. But when you're talking about, um, you know, somebody that's putting his life when he's got, you know, family kind of against them, and he's sitting on cigars and is this the right process? Should I sit on a cigar that's finished or should I just, and, and age it, or should I put it out into the market? And, you know, the tobacco that he's, you know, using and everything. And, and then smoking the, that Alfonso, I think it just, I was, I was in the conversation so deep. And then the cigar was so deep. I was like, I, I, I had stopped him. I said, I need a second because I want you to know that this cigar means so much to me right now, because I can feel all of your passion. I can feel what this means to you almost through this cigar. And if I think it's a good cigar, anyone I, I tried it before, but just in that moment, it, it, it completely took me away. That's awesome. I, I'm not, I'm going to share something in a second. I want to hear Tom. I want to hear Tom's moment as well. Um, but it, it's interesting. I just, it, it's what I love about this, sh- about my conversations with you gentlemen and everything is that like when you guys are saying things and everything, it's kind of, it sparks, and so much of today, especially being Father's Day and, and what we've been talking about is is sparking memories and things like that. And it's interesting. Something you said kind of reminded me of of, of something that I'll share here in just a moment. But to Tom, what about you? What's a, what's a moment of refuge that you remember uh, specifically? It was just you and the cigar. You know, um, you know, it's usually involves somebody else, you know, like I, I think. Uh, you know, one of the things is funny as we, you know, we're closing in on the 10 years, uh, you know, I was recently with Christian and, 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 you know, we were kind of sitting back. It was just me and him. And, you know, we were, we were actually doing some events, um, in, in Columbus, Ohio, and then in Pittsburgh and then over to DC. And, um, uh, you know, we, we were driving from Columbus to Pittsburgh and, um, it was just me and him in the rental car. And then we, we made everyone else drive with Nook, our sales rep, uh, from the office with him. So we just had a couple hours to kind of talk about, uh, you know, 
direction and, and, and staying aligned and, and, you know, what we needed to do coming up here shortly. And, but we really got a chance to sit back and, you know, we, we smoke in the rental cars, you know, so we're, we're having a cigar and, uh, you know, we really sat back and reflected on, um, 10 years, you know, I, I've been with Christian for about 20 years now, uh, between Camacho and the transition to Davidoff and, and, uh, the, the almost 10 years here. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of looked back and we both were sat back and were amazed at, you know, what we've been able to build over, over the 10 years, you know, it, it, it's not an easy business to, uh, grow you need kind of everything to work and, and and come out right you know you know whether it's price or the product or the branding or whatever distribution i mean everything has to really fall into play to uh, make something really work and, and you know when we sit back and we looked at what you know we just were talking about what we built you know over the last 10 years and starting from zero again and to see how many people, you know, we employ in Honduras and Nicaragua and, and all the growth of the company. Uh, it, it was just kind of a fun little portion of a ride that we, we got to reflect on uh, how blessed we are, you know, like where we're at. And, and, you know, we always are striving to be better and we have our issues with with production and, and, and these things. But uh, in the end of it, you know, we're, we're very it, it was just a nice conversation to talk about you know, where we're at and what we built and, you know, how, how proud we are to, to be where we're at. And, and, uh, and we know we've got a lot of room to grow and, and continue to be better at what we do, but, uh, it was just a, a, a nice car ride, you know, cause sometimes, uh, two hours with Christian in a car could be brutal. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but I'm not joking you right. know, because, <laughs> you know, we got to talk about the serious stuff too, and the issues and he'll yell at me about sales. I'll yell at him about production. And, and, you know, we, we, we get into it a little bit, but, uh, it, it was, uh, a, a very pleasant ride. You know, it, it's funny because we, you know, we always talk about alignment. In, in our company. And sometimes we see ourselves becoming unaligned between me and him. I think we're going the wrong direction or he thinks uh, we're going the wrong direction. But, uh, you know, in this car ride, we, we sat back and we were, you know, very aligned in the mission uh, of our company and the direction of the company. And so it's always good to, you know, when you, when you sit down with your, your, your business partners and, and the people, you know, the person that you've built this with, and to look 10 years later, and I think our goals are in the same place and, and the alignment of the company and, and uh, what we're trying to achieve are, are, are still the same path, you know, yeah. so it, it makes it very easy uh, to, to, I don't even want to say go to work every day, you know what I mean, I get to go out and sell cigars, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, how, you know, it, it, it's not the easiest job in the world, but it's also, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me, you know, just Friday, you know, I was in Minneapolis all week and then we went into Milwaukee and we, we had a, a golf outing with uh, Paul and Jen Grow of Metro Cigars in Milwaukee. And uh, Friday morning, Nish, Nish was there, Nish Patel, and, and he was working with his rep and they had made a tea time. We're like, oh, come golf with us. So it was, you know, me and Paul, the, the customer and, and Nish and his rep. So we went out in the morning and got around to golf in before the event that night. And, 
it, it, it was just such a fun round of golf. I mean, we laugh and you know, if, if you know Nish very well, the guy's just an awesome personality, uh, a super, super guy that's just fun to be around. And, and, but I got to sit, you know, and I rode with Paul, my customer, and we got to talk about, you know, I mean, we always talk about business. Him and his wife have always been very active, whether it's through the PCA board or, or TAA or whatever. And, and Paul's always picking my brain for, for retail stuff and, and manufacturing side. And, but we really got to spend some time and just, you know, talk about how he's enjoying it. You know, he retired from his regular job about six years ago and, and uh, you know, in the direction he's going and the ideas that he has. And, you know, it was just, you know, that those personal relationships uh, are, are really what drive me. You know, we, we get out mm -hmm. on the road, obviously we're all selling cigars, uh, but, you know, I never really feel like I'm working. You know, we have such great customers around the country. There's so many good people and to get to go out and spend time and, and meet their families and be a part of their lives. You know, he invited us to his home after the event and, and you know, he cooked for us and made smash burgers and, and, you know, we all sat around having a couple on the Blackstone, right? Smash burgers yeah, on the Blackstone. He did. Absolutely. <laughs> they were awesome. Little bacon, I some onions. I mean, he killed it. And, uh, but, you know, we, we sat around having some adult pops laughing our ass off and, and, uh, uh but th th you know, that's the reward, you know, you, 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 we're on the road and you get to spend real quality time with, with very good people. And at the end of the day, um, I can't ask for anything better. You know, it, it really is fun to be, to be out there and again, you know, just meeting you and, and doing the shows with you every year now and, and, uh, getting the opportunity to catch up when we see each other at trade shows or events. And, you know, it, it's always a pleasure to uh, meet good people and, and, and just, and, you know, build real friendships, you know? Absolutely. I, it's, it, it really is. And, and th this is the moment that I was going to share with you. It's, it's interesting because Oliver was, was talking about the moment where he was lost in the cigar that, uh, that Nelson had made the Alfonso that uh, that we'll be seeing at the trade show. It, it, it made me reflect on the first time um, I had smoked one of your cigars, Tom, um, or not one of your cigars, the seven by 70, which you've heard that story <laughs> 10,000 times, but uh, you haven't heard this part of it. And Oliver had, Oliver has a similar story to it with, uh, with me as well. And I'll, I'll share that too. So everyone knows about my, my uh, affinity for not smoking big gauge cigars and uh, really didn't want to uh, smoke a seven by 70 uh, just really didn't. Um, but I was also tired of my general manager at the time, Tracy, which we talked about last year, yeah. uh, high end in me 60 gauges. And so I said, I'll show him I'll smoke the 70 that you make Tom. And I was like, that way I don't have to, I don't have to smoke any more 60 gauges for at least, <laughs> at least like let me be good for a week or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I ended up liking it. Of course, there's the story. But what was really interesting is that I got lost in that cigar because I mean, I, I smoked it for my entire shift. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm done with the shift. And he's like, hey, you're still smoking that. And I was like, yeah, I guess I am. And like and he left for the night. We had just locked up the shop and he'd left. And and I sat there in the parking. Lot, I was like. I really. Holy shit. I really like that. So what I did is I turned this is the story you haven't heard. Tom. I actually went back into the shop. I, I, I went back in it and pot myself another one. Yeah. And smoked it again the following day. I was like, am I just crazy? 
or or like was there something was it just because i was working or what and i i, I did it uh i smoked a second one and then and, and it was just as good and and uh i really enjoyed it and uh um that uh aside the asylum seven uh is is uh will will forever in my mind i love the eight i haven't smoked a nine i'm committed to smoking a 90 because of you tom yeah you're welcome um <laughs> my god i have that i'm ready to do that uh to myself it's nuts but um but that asylum seven by 70 is, is your crown angel that's the that's that cigars not even a 70 gauge cigar that cigar is incredible as a cigar thank um, you that I, I think you're really gonna like the nine when you smoke it. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping to get through it. So. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. because it'll be bad. I'm well, just hoping to survive. I'll, I'll, it. I'll, I'll bring you a smaller one, Bear. <laughs> so you, after you smoke the ninety, uh, that'll be my you, reward. Yeah. <laughs> but so 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 I, I'm not even sure Oliver knows this part of the story. But like when we first met, we talked about that at the beginning of the show. But that was my first experience with Atabay. I smoked an Atabay with Oliver, Aaron, and Coop on the on the show for the first time, and I get through it, and it's just so so freaking good. And I was like, okay, what? Because I, I didn't know anything about it other than what I'd read. I didn't know anything, you know, like I, you know, we had talked about the story during the show and everything. And so I, at one point, like I, Oliver was answering some questions from Aaron and Coop, and I'm just looking down at this thing. And I'm just like, holy shit, man what what there's something different here something's going on and i don't know what it is and i don't know if it's the moment or whatever and i was kind of like lost in that moment and so the next day i went out and got another one or i oliver had actually sent us another one so i, I took the second one that he had sent and I, I was like it just me and i went into my back patio let it up and i was like okay i'm gonna just do this and see if it was the moment or something else and it wasn't and and it's funny because the what you were talking about a second ago, Oliver, when you were telling, talking about your moment and it made me realize that I had that same moment with, with, with both of you gentlemen of us, involved. Yeah. yeah it's right, crazy. Right. Nuts. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Tom, Tom, you nailed it too. When you were talking about it, you know, the, like the beautiful thing about cigars, you know, for, for me, I got, I got into it again for, for my dad, but it was, you know, from him and, and my family, but it's, it's, it was more for the, the love of it and that love for just the cigar to be able to sit down, be it with others or, or individually, it just, it, it takes you away and it just lets you escape for, for a little bit. But uh, so I have a lot of those, you know, personal moments, but I, I don't think I have as many personal moments where I'm just smoking by myself. And, you know, Tom, you said it where it, it always involves someone else because I think the, the cigar you can you can actually smoke a like a cigar that you may not have cared for in the past, but then you sit down with someone and then you're smoking that cigar, you're revisiting it, and you may love it because of because of the experience. So it's sometimes it's sometimes it's the company, sometimes it's the you know the environment, and sometimes it's it's the cigar. So it's you know it's very uh, very versatile in Absolutely. that way. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, we're getting down to it tonight, and again, I can't thank you enough. Uh, so much for your time tonight and uh you know uh for some of us uh the morning's gonna come really early tom and he's flying out er early and everything so we'll wrap this up just got a couple more questions uh but in, in honor of father's day and, and, and tom you've answered this in years past so we're, we'll start with oliver and you know tom if you want to add something different from last year if you want to talk about just what it means to you in general i'd love to hear it but father's day in general we're, we're all fathers we have fathers oliver what does father's day mean to you 
well, yeah, I was I was kidding about it earlier. But I said it's a, it's a judgment. You know, it's like a judgment day. Um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a challenge, right? Because you can do everything that you feel is is the right thing to do, and and you may not succeed. Um, you know, there are plenty of stories either. You know, the 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 child you're bringing up, you give them. You know, you're you've done well. You know, financially and and in career, uh, and you're able to provide them with everything, and that that child just doesn't work out. And then there are some that you know you're not able to provide them as much, but you give them just love, and they turn out to be amazing. So, you know, for for me, Father's Day is is almost um, you know every day. It's the little smiles that uh, you know both of them give me on either accomplishments or or failures. Um, you know, Father's Day is is really just you know you're you're growing a little you're you're growing and developing a little little you, uh, in a way, and uh, you know taking those moments and you see them either from a distance or, or up close and you know, just those special special moments that you know bring uh, either a tear to your eye or you know crack of the smile uh, because you're watching them and you're like yeah I did that you know that's that's my work and um, you know it's it's a reflection uh, of you. And um, it, it's 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 humbling uh, at times, but uh, yeah, it's a beautiful beautiful thing. So yeah, Father's Day for me is uh, you know there's one day that's that that's celebrated, but yeah, it's every day every day work and um, yeah, reward every day. Yeah, I, you know I I look at Father's Day as uh, you know sometimes it's almost kind of like your birthday as you get older, right? They, it kind of becomes just another day and it, it's nice to celebrate and, you know, thank your dad for teaching you what he, he's taught you and stuff like that. But when, when it comes to uh, my children, you know, uh, obviously getting to spend time with them is always more valuable as they're older, their lives are busier and they're doing more and more. And, uh you know, but the, the, like you said, the everyday satisfactions when 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 you see your 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 child make a decision uh, that you, you you can sit back and just go, yeah, he, he's getting it. You know, like you, you sit back and you, you see him, you know, make a decision whether it be uh, on 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 friendships or something where he's, you know, I look at my older son and he, you know, he, he, all his friends were pretty good kids. You know, none of them were in trouble. They didn't cause trouble, but you know, a handful of them just want to sit around and smoke weed every day. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And my, you know, it was funny one day, my son just like dad, you know, I, I don't really hang out with them anymore. Cause you know, I don't think they're on a path that I, I want to be on. And for a 19 year old kid to, to kind of realize that and, and, and want to surround himself by more like-minded people, more driven people, you, you sit back and you go, all right, man. <laughs> like that's, and you go into the other room and you're like, yes, that's yes! Father's, yeah, like that's father's <laughs> yes. day to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, those, yeah. those are the days that you, 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 you really feel good about uh, the decisions your, your kids are making and, and, uh, so, you know, more than just today, it, it, it is, it's every day. And when, when those moments come, you, 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 it makes you proud, you know? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, obviously father's day has meant more to me after I became a father. Um, and it made me realize, you know, a lot of the moments that I look back and, you know, you know, we were talking about our, our, our dad's idiosyncrasies earlier and things like that, but, 
you know, those, those words of wisdom, like I, I never, I never thought growing up my dad, cause I'm a quote person. I love quotes. I love history. Everyone knows that. Like, I just, I've never thought of my dad as having sayings or anything. And then I started remembering like all these words that used to say to me over and over again, or these moments like that when he started and like one of the first thing, like one of the first things he said to me when I started in my career in sales, I said, dad, okay. Like you did this for a lifetime. This was your career. This was your life. Like was, was, was people like, what, what do I need to know? And he said, Oh son, this business is easy. He says, oh, there's, you just need one. You need to learn one lesson and I'll teach it to you right now. It's, you know, you can be part of the solution or you can be part of the problem. Just don't ever be part of the problem. So, and it, it was gross, freaking gold, man. It was like, right. it was a light bulb went off. I was like, well, that's okay. I, I mean, yeah. That, well, there's I can do lo- that. There, yeah, there's lots of excuses, right? I mean, that's what you know. It's something we, you know, I have conversations with my salespeople all the time, and you know, you're you're looking at numbers or a specific account or somewhere where they're faltering, and you know, well, the, uh, well, you know, we had 16 days of snow this month, or we had this, or you know, what whatever the the excuses start coming, and, and I look at them, I just say. You, you you don't think I understand those things. Like I've been in sales my whole life. I'm like, but those are excuses in the end. It's your job to find the solutions to mm-hmm. overcome the problems that are in our way, you know? So be creative, you know, take, make those extra visits, whatever it is you have to do. Um, think out of the box. Sometimes, you know, we, we've always been very open to, mistakes you know i'd much rather have my guys do something and then me have to go back and say hey uh, i probably wouldn't do it that way again but this is how i would do it but i appreciate you making the effort of doing something you know instead of doing nothing and and so you know when you sit back and and you look at these things and and like you said just be a part of the solution not the problem you know if you can think that way in sales you'll 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 be better than most of the people out there (laughs) And, and like you said, it's, you know, as fathers, right. It's, you know, failure happens. That's okay. Like, it's just, yeah. just, let's just give it, you know, give it a, sh- giving it a shot is, 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 is where it's at. at well, least, you know? Yeah. It's how you respond to failure, right? How do you, how do you pick yourself up and, and swing for defense again? You know, uh, it's yeah, how, how do you, how do you avoid it? Right. I, I mean, failure, failure is easy to look at. You can look at an obstacle and be like, oh yeah, that's not going to be possible. And, um, I know one thing that that stuck with with me, and I, I'm not going to remember remember the guy's name completely, but I know it was Bannister. Sorry, my I, I hear my AirPods going, but so I'm charging them. But uh, you can hear. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So uh, yeah, but I think it was Roger Roger Bannister. Or ba- I know it was Bannister, but in like 1954, the 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 mile had never been run in under two minutes. In 1954, he cracked it. And then after that, within two years, I don't know how many how many guys were able to to then beat that. But until yeah. that point, everyone looked at it like, oh, it's not going to be possible. We can't do it. So every excuse in the book was out there. It's never been done. Or I don't have the right shoes. I don't have the right equipment. The weather's bad. This is bad. But then somebody does it. So you have to look at the the one that did it. Now all of a sudden, it becomes possible. And right. then now you chase you chase after. Um, yeah, you just have to. You know, I go. I also go with you know a lot of my my sales guys, I go back to, um, you know, Tony Robbins had this, you know, you have to see potential 
first and then you have to take action for it then you'll see the results and then you start believing in it so it's just it's a whole process of the potential the action the result and the belief and it's just you have to keep going back at it and it's easy to say the weather you know the weather's bad i couldn't do it well you know the phone lines aren't down emails aren't down you know something's not down but you have to have that connection you have to you know just go back at it yeah, you know, we don't we don't have in our, our portfolio may not be you know something that everyone's just kicking down the doors for, right? But then if you're just focused on that, then you're just looking at the problem. So what's what's the solution? All right. So yeah, the focusing on the negative. I'm I'm I, I feel I'm more of a, a positive person. I, you know, I I don't get involved in a lot of the um, you know either the gossip or the the negativity uh, in this industry or any industry and. Um, you know, especially like the news, shut, you know, I try to shut that off, but focus on, on the positive and, and see where that can take you. Cause that can take you a lot further than any of the negativity. No, absolutely. I, you mentioned the thing we've been talking about failure, right. And stuff like that. And then there's all their successes and everything. You mentioned Roger Bannister. This is the story coming out of me, right. Breaks the four minute mile. Like you were saying it lasted 46 days. Every, days. <laughs> everyone, everyone chasing, everyone was chasing the four minute mile, right. the sub four minute mile. He does it. And then 46, it lasted 46 days. Right. And then, and then Bob Beeman's record has lasted like half a century in the long drum. It's just crazy. Um, records are such an interesting thing. It's, it's so it's, but it, it took that one person to do it. Right. Right. It took that one person to do it, that one person to do it. And then, and like you were saying, Tom, those, those, those excuses start melting away. It's like, well, he did it. Yeah. I can't no, the, bar, the bars, you always have to set goals, right? The, yeah. And higher. Always, you know, you're, you got to set the bar higher. Yeah. It's just one of those things. So, uh, so gentlemen, this is, the la- this is the last question of the night. I just can't, again, um, I'll just say this one final time. I, I, I thank everybody. Um, but in particular, on, on days like today, you know, it is a holiday and where Sundays are, are, are really reserved for family, you know, it really means a lot to me when my guests come on, um, in some cases, multiple times, both of you are multiple time guests, uh, for y'all to set some time aside on a Sunday evening to join me. It, it, it really means a lot to me. So I, I, I can't thank you enough. Oh, my thank pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, this is our curveball segment, which is always brought to you by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Fast bars or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. All right. So this is the one question that I didn't give you, gentlemen. If you could go back in time and tell your, so tell your father to name you something else, what name would have you given yourself? This was inspired wow. by the by your by your son uh, Luke Fenway, by the way, all of us. Yeah, so. Luke Fenway. So, yeah, I I, I cool. would personally say anything. <laughs> um, you know, when, when, it's funny because when you know I'm a second, right? So I, I have the same name as my father, but uh, as, as, you know, and I you know, listen, I've got no complaints about my name other than uh, it was funny because I remember when I was buying my first house. And every single time now, my dad buys a new car, you know, runs credit. They always intermix our credit. So whatever's whatever's on my dad's, you know, or whatever's on mine, then my dad will be like, 
hey, I need you to call these three banks and tell them that's uh, your money that, you, you know, that you borrowed or you owe or whatever, because they've got your car payment, your, both your cars. They got everything on my credit right now. So every time he gets a new car, I have to call like two or three different banks and, and they're like, well, we don't use the social security as a, as a means of identification, you know? <laughs> so it's a really big pain in the ass. Uh, they don't use the social. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're I like, so, well, I have so many questions. I, I'm like, we've got a different social security numbers. Like, <laughs> well, that's not a means to identify you. I guess the credit. How about company. birth date? <laughs> yeah. How about age? You, you know what I mean? Like, I remember when I first bought my first house at 25, the, uh, they had something on the credit report from my, I remember my dad got hurt at Ford's in, in like 1977 and was out of work for like four years. Um, and uh, he, he had a lawsuit against Ford's because they had a faulty uh, forklift hilo that collapsed a bunch of tempered glass on him oh my gosh and uh so he had you know he couldn't work he you know so whatever and he had something on his credit and from 1981 right and i'm I'm 10 years old at the time and the bank is like well you have this thing on your credit from such and such and i'm like can i actually get credit at 10 years old you know what i mean i'm like (laughs) I'm like, listen, I wasn't old enough to uh, legally have a binding contract at 10. So why don't you take that one off? You know what I mean? (laughs) But like every time, every time I buy a home, I, you know, it it hasn't happened to me with cars, but it happens to my dad. Every time he buys a new car, he's like, Hey man, uh, it happened again. Need you to call the banks. You know what I mean? So sharing names, uh, the same name, it's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes, you know? So I would have took anything, uh, other than that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so tell your ex-wife, Oliver, double down on wife, Luke Fenway is even better. He, you could have named him after you and, and this would have right. been the result. This would have been the problem. Yeah, he is the right. only Luke Fenway. Yeah. Not too many. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question because I've never really, uh, really thought about it. But um, I know, I know, growing up, like my, you know, again, family being French, my my full name is Olivier Christian Roger Sincere Niveau. So I got a, I got a full long French name. And growing up in the classrooms, and, and again, my father was in a hotel, so we moved around a lot. Like it was a couple years in Boston, and. Um, then we moved to Chicago. My younger brother was born. My older brother was already was already born, so he was from France. They moved to Boston. Then we went to Chicago. Then we went to Milwaukee. Then we went to London. Then then France. Then back to Milwaukee. Then New York City. Then back to Boston. So growing up, you know, the teachers in the classroom would call my name out, and my parents were very proud of the name. So it was on there. It was you know Olivier, and the teachers would always call out Olivia. And then that would get a little snicker in the room because I'd have to raise, you know, raise my hand. And it's like, oh, who's this guy named Olivia? It's a girl's name. Aha. And then, you know, middle school, they turned, you know, Peter, uh, uh, Ollie North, Oliver North came out and it was, it was all, you know, it was Ollie North and it was Ollie, Ollie, Ollie come free. So growing up, it was like, oh, I hate this name, hate this name. But then I got into high school and it transitioned. And, you know, I actually, I loved, I loved Oliver because I had never met another Oliver until, until high school mm-hmm. in another, 
you know, another town. But, you know, so growing up, I always thought about these other cool, like manly names. And I guess this is from the seventies and eighties. It was like, if there was a, you know, if I could be called Bruce, cause that was just like, you know, you, you say, Oh, Bruce is over there. You're like, who's this beast of a man going to be or, you know, or Charlie, because it's, you know, the nickname was Chuck and it's like, Oh, Chuck just sounds like he could, you know, tear a car apart and just be a, you know, uh, you know, and chop down a tree with one swing. So those names, now that you, you know, you're asking those, you know, those two names, I think Charlie or, or Bruce were the you know two names that pop up, but um, yeah, I mean, I actually, I got, yeah, my, I got, uh, yeah, in fact, my, I got, I uh, graduated from uh, Boston college my diploma's back there, but that's got my full, full name on it. So nice. at that point I just embraced, yeah, embraced the whole thing, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I don't think I'd change it today. Nice. Yeah. Kids, kids are cruel, man. Uh, just this always, always. Yeah. But it makes you, you know, I mean, I think all the travel that, you know, bouncing around from school to school and you know, the, the name calling as it was just kind of makes you, you know, you, you have to, look at that as a failure and bounce back from it. It made me who I am today. I'm comfortable to walk into a room and, you know, meet anybody or go into, you know, any part of the world and, and be, and be happy and comfortable. Oh, absolutely. By the time I got to high school, I knew, I figured out where I was in the roll call. And so when they started trying to pronounce my last name, like I just cut them off. They're like, Nope, that's <laughs> yeah. me. I'm here. I'll help you. I'll help you with that. I think uh, Johnny Cash wrote a song about that once, right? Yeah. Boy named named Sue. Boy named Sue. (laughs) A classic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just, I would just cut people off. <laughs> yeah, Duplicy. Yeah, it's fine. I'm there. Cool. We're good. Before you, before oh, you yeah. butcher the heck out of it and everyone starts laughing and, oh man, uh, so many, so many cruel names. It's all good. Uh, but uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. I really can't thank you enough for, for tonight. And uh, I wish you nothing but a wonderful uh, remaining uh Father's Day. I know it's actually past Father's Day where you both are, um, but uh, I, I just can't thank you enough for tonight. It was just a, it was everything I wanted it to be. I hope you all enjoyed it, and I know my great, audience great as well. Yeah, I appreciate you, Bear. Always a pleasure yeah. to be on for Father's Day with you. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Brian Oliver, I'm sorry. I mean to cut you. No, off. no. I was just gonna say I, I appreciate you uh, inviting us on, bringing me uh, back, even though I wasn't able to make it on the on the last one it's been a good night good people good laughs well one of these days technology will catch up and you'll be able to do a show from a plane that would be that'll be interesting we're worried about <laughs> internet we'll, we're worried about internet connections in other countries i can't imagine what how wonky that would be from a, from an airplane uh plus i'm not sure if your your uh seat mates would be appreciative of it, but, like that <laughs> but uh but thank you so much for everyone out there really appreciate uh everyone staying up late with us as always happy father's day to all the fathers out there this was our 213th take uh really do appreciate all the likes shares and comments you can check us out on youtube that's our ls fumar you can uh, hit the subscribe button if you already haven't as well as our facebook page ls fumar where it has our guests uh, a list of upcoming guests will be announced uh each week and uh, we'll be broadcasting live of course every sunday uh we'll be here back next week we've got cigar hustler uh mike stepankevich of Pastania Cigars, and uh, he'll actually be uh, debuting his own independent booth at this year's PCA. So pretty exciting stuff for Mike. Oliver and Tom will be back, of course, at the PCA trade show uh, with United Cigars and uh, Asylum Cigars. So it will be exciting to see you gentlemen there as well. 
And for everyone out there, be sure to download, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or again, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit the subscribe, download, and review button. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, but don't forget to hit resubscribe. Um, that helps my number so I can get great gentlemen like this back uh, whenever I want. So I appreciate you guys, everyone out there. This was our 213th take. I'm Bear Duplissy live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. And guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.